the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. All right. Here it is on a Friday. We are uh, to the final day of the week. This is a good thing. But, man, has the weather been strange today. It's been relatively a nice day. I mean, right now it's only 77 degrees out, Mm -hmm. but it's like walking through bath water. (laughs) There's so much uh, rain that's been happening today. About an what? About two hours ago, it was pouring here in in Little Rock. Right. It poured all night long up in Cabot. Mm-hmm. I mean, it thundered and lightning and just poured. Then it stopped a little bit uh, right about 6 o'clock, and then it turned around and started all over again. Yeah. And I don't know what it's been doing later this afternoon. It's just like we got these thunderstorms that are, you know, popping up and mo- moving across the state and mm-hmm. dropping off uh, a whole lot of, of, of rain. This has been one of the coolest Augusts in a long, long time. Yeah. I don't, uh, just uh, in front of my remembrances, I don't uh, remember a, a cool, wet August like this. Typically, August is really hot and really dry, but it's just been the opposite this year, and it's not a bad thing. Not a bad thing at all. I, I was driving, actually driving around yesterday, had the windows down until guy was going home. And when I was heading home, it was 97 degrees. Goodness. It had jumped up. It had jumped up from the low 80s in yeah. the afternoon mm-hmm. to the high 90s by the end of the day. That's Arkansas. And, and my, uh, my air conditioner has not been working oh. the way it should be. I went over and saw Joe today, mm-hmm. put a little more free on it. Seems to be working okay now. But I had a, I drove home yesterday with the windows down. Yeah. Man, I haven't done 180 AC in a long time. <laughs> and I know why. It's been a long time after doing it yesterday. It was not fun. I did it for my first four years. I'm, um, basically, when I graduated high school until about 2014, I was driving always with my windows down. Wow. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just uncomfortable. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah. just uncomfortable. It, you know, if it's in the low 80s or high 70s, right. it can why. be comfortable, mm-hmm. you know? Except what I've gotten used to is sitting in my car and it being quiet. Yeah. Not the roaring of the wind mm-hmm. all the time and the sound of the, the truck passing you and all of that. <laughs> I mean, I lived that. All the way through college and all that, because yeah. cars uh, during that time, if you wanted air conditioning, mm-hmm. you ordered it special. Mm. Okay, your car didn't typically just come equipped, yeah, with air conditioning. Yeah, it wasn't and, until I got my second car that I got air air conditioning in it. But you know, like I say, it was about from twenty ten to twenty fourteen. That was a big deal for me. But the biggest deal for me was when I bought a car and it had cruise control. <laughs> I'm just going to tell you, I don't know how I lived without cruise control. That's the way my father describes it. Same way for him. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you just drive 
Yeah, you get out on the road and you're going to do one of those 10 hour, 12 hour marathons. Yeah. Cruise control is a lifesaver <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. And my, my son doesn't have cruise control and I had to drive his, his car for a couple of days because, uh, Joe was working on it and getting yeah. things taken care of on it because my alternator went out and then it killed my battery and oh. then had to relearn everything with the car mm-hmm. and all of that. And uh, so he was taking care of all that for me. And so I drove my, uh, my son's got a Kia and I was out there driving that and he doesn't have cruise control. Yeah. And I just, just can completely, you know, got to <laughs> tell you, I love cruise control. Yeah. I'll tell you something else that you didn't get when I was first driving and uh, you had to, you had to roll down your windows. They weren't electric, electric windows didn't come normally with the car so you had you had to crank them you know and uh i'll never forget when i got electric windows the first time it was kind of well that's kind of cool you know? i still got to manually pu- pull mine down no oh, do you i still do that doesn't mm-hmm. really bother me all that right. much it doesn't phase me i got i've got to get one of the motors replaced uh uh in in my uh my suv because it works sometimes yeah on my on the driver's side and yeah. other times it won't mm-hmm and then I, I just keep hitting the the button, and sooner or later it it goes down yeah. or it goes up. Mm-hmm. So yeah, a little bit. But anyway, the the long story of to make this short of a long story is that yesterday I uh, drove around my driver side window down and my uh, passenger side window down, and, yeah. and that's why you call it one eighty air conditioning, <laughs> just so you know. Yeah, because some of you have no idea when I said 180 AC. You didn't know what I was talking about. It's 180-degree air conditioning. And and yesterday was so hot, the the air was moving well, Yeah, but it was just hot mm-hmm. air, and you're not, you don't get comfortable with yeah, that. Yeah, you're right about that. That's why I always chose my places wisely. <laughs> you know, I didn't get, it didn't take me long to get to where I needed to go because of that hot weather. I was like, yeah, I'm going to get here and back home. Let's that was go it. fast. Yeah. <laughs> go fast. That's no big deal for me. I typically go fast. All right. So let's talk about, uh, uh, Matt couldn't be here today. He'll be back with us next Friday. Uh, as you know, he just came back from, uh, Atlantis out mm-hmm. there in the Bahamas. He spent about a week and a half out there. I got a picture. He sent me the picture. Okay. Now, you were on when he was on this last time. Yeah. And I told him I wanted the picture of him doing the deep sea diving, <laughs> you know, the, the clutch cargo thing with yeah. the helmet and all that. Uh-huh. And uh, he sent me a picture of it. Okay. And he's, he's you could tell he's on the bottom, you know, there. I don't know how deep the water was, but right. he's there and mm-hmm. he's got the, the helmet on. That's cool. And he's walking across the bottom. I just had to start laughing. <laughs> just cracked me up. I would like to do that one day. I'd like to do it. I mean, because of the air pressure in yeah. your helmet keeps water out. Yeah. You know, probably be pretty cool to go down and walk around like that. That's exactly what I want to do. Until you saw a shark or something. Oh, my goodness. That would change your mind, I'm sure. Oh. Speaking about sharks, uh, Zach went and saw the Meg. We'll talk about that in mm-hmm. just a moment. Last night, I saw Mile 22. I'll talk about that. You know, they're both kind of guy movies, although the Meg has, you know, a a female lead that's really good in it. And Mm -hmm. the ladies kind of, they like looking at Jason, of course, and he typically walks around without a shirt on. Right. Just so you know. Mm -hmm. All right. 
Here's what's playing at the Riverdale 10 uh, VIP Cinema. Go to Riverdale10.com. Get your tickets there. Mile 22 is playing. Crazy Rich Asians. And I want to talk about that because there's part of it that bothers me. Okay. You know, uh, McQueen, which is more of a documentary than anything else about a fashion designer. Boundaries, which uh, stars uh, Christopher Plummer. And uh, Zavira Famiga, is that how she pronounces her last name? She's she is the she pays the wife in all the Conjuring movies. That's right. Yeah, that is her. You know, mm-hmm. is it Famiga? Is that how she pronounces her fi- her last name? I'm uh, not sure. I don't know. Farmiga. So or? she's she's <laughs> in that movie as well. Peter Fonda is in it. In fact, I'm surprised that they uh, left Peter Fonda in it because you remember it was this movie was just released a few weeks ago and Fonda pushed out that uh, uh, tweet about uh, uh, what was it uh, they should take uh, Baron Trump and you know give him to you know the ICE agents mm. and all that other crap yeah. that he had to say it was stupid too much pot dude anyway bottom line boundaries is the name of the movie so you might want to go see see that uh, that definitely looks like an adult movie, just so you'll know. Uh, Black Klansman is playing, and I'll have uh, Zach talk about yeah. that, too, because he's seen it. Mm-hmm. Spike Lee's new movie. Uh, the Meg, I just told you we'll talk about that. Mission Impossible, Fallout, it's been out for a few weeks now. If you haven't heard about it, uh, that that's kind of surprising. Uh, if you have heard about it, you know that it's good, and it's as good as they've been saying it is. It's a great movie. Seen it twice now. Have you? Mm-hmm. You went and saw it again? Yeah. Uh, Christopher Robin, I've heard good things about that. Uh, eighth Grade, heard good things about that. Mamma Mia, Where Do uh, Here We Go Again. Uh, I've heard good things for the ladies for that, most part. Uh, Dog Days. Slender Man, and everything I've read about Slender Man is just a, a formatic uh, horror movie. Okay. You know, they telegraph everything that's yeah. coming. And then the other thing, uh, The Spy Who Dumped Me, uh, You either the reviews have been this. Either it'll make you laugh or it's so stupid uh, you'll make you laugh because they say it's really, really stupid i don't know if you've seen some of these movies and you want to comment on them go right ahead we'd like to hear what you have to say uh as well we get our first break and when we come back i'm going to find out what zach thought about the meg i gave it an eight out of ten uh maybe i gave it an eight and a half i think i gave it eight and a half now and i think about it uh and uh i thought it was a pretty doggone good movie enjoyable uh was not trying to reach more than what it said it was going to be. So we'll talk about it. When we return here on the Dave Ellswick Show, it's a Friday. Woohoo! Gotta love that. Let's take a break and then we'll do some more. All right, back with you. Let's talk about a specific movie now. One that I've seen already and that, uh, of course, Zach went and saw, was it yesterday or day before? Wednesday night. Wednesday night, mm-hmm. all right. And that's The Meg. Now, the Meg, let me, first of all, let me warn you, and, and, and this is happening more and more often, and you're going to start noticing it. This is a movie that really wasn't made for the United States. This movie has been made for Asia. Right. For China specifically. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
as as the movie unfolds you'll 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 understand that what's kind of interesting is how how easily hollywood has now slid into portraying the chinese government kind of as this beneficent government <laughs> over there did you notice that i did yeah i thought that was kind of interesting mm-hmm. uh portrayed them as being very heroic and yeah. things of that nature so uh, know that you're going to get that there is a large contingent of asian actors in this right and as you watch it, you understand because the big set pieces the really big set pieces are done over in uh, the Far East, mm-hmm. you know. They're done over by Thailand, yeah. Um, to be specific, and I don't have any problem with it. A little bit of problem of, you know, the movie studio presenting China the way they did. But other than that, that does. I mean, Chinese actors don't bother. I've been in the Asian cine- uh, cinema for years and years and years. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've I watched um, uh, the, uh, uh, you know martial arts movies sonny chiba and all that stuff since the 70s right that doesn't bother me uh and it didn't and i knew that this was coming because i saw the trailer and this the trailer when it showed the big scene around the beach i Uh noticed that everybody was asian yeah i said okay this was a lot of money put in by china Mm -hmm. chinese companies and and producers by the way when i talk about mile 22 yeah uh, this is a movie done by H Brothers. Are you familiar with them? I am not. They are um, a, a group in China okay. that does martial arts movies. Okay. They, uh, they kind of launched Bruce Lee's career and things of that nature. Very interesting that they're into it as well. And there's a couple other uh, companies I saw jump up. And then it made sense when I saw the movie, and I'll get in that in a moment. You tell me. How'd you like the Meg? I told you you'd have fun. I did have fun. It was an enjoyable movie, and um, it was silly. You know, the dialogue wasn't great, but as far as I mean, like I say, you don't you don't, don't you go guys for that. Watch Shark Week. <sighs> that was a great. That was a great line. <laughs> but the movie was fun. You know, it, it basically my body was getting twisted in different ways watching that film. You know, especially the one scene where he's in the ocean. But I had fun. Oh, really when he's in the ocean putting on his goggles. Yeah, you know, he kept looking underneath and back up. I'm like, dude, just stick down, stick to one. Because he was up. looking out, <laughs> yes. trying to see the dorsal fin, yes. and he couldn't see it. He couldn't see it. So he stuck his head under the mm-hmm. water, and when he did, he put his goggles on, right. and he's looking around. Well, one time he puts his goggles <laughs> on, and he comes face-to-face with something he didn't want to come face-to-face yeah. with. But I'm like, you know, just either keep your head underwater or above. You know, just stop doing that because it, it basically I was grabbing my feet at that point, you know. Yeah. <laughs> There's some good stuff in it. They got they got some uh, jump scares in it. Yeah. The action was great. Yeah. It was fun. As a matter of fact, it surprised me how good it was. Did it surprise you that that, that, that shark mm-hmm. was all CGI throughout the whole movie? Really? The shark was all cgi i had no idea i had no idea see that tells you how good it was mm-hmm. plus you know i'm one of those people who really i i normally can't tell if something's really cgi cgi or not but i'm not looking for that you know yeah. that's the hope you know a lot of people are looking for that just to poke holes in the movie me i don't care yeah i don't i the only time i care is like when the cgi is on and there's a a human in in the scene yeah and they move their hand or their arm and you can mm-hmm see things through their arm yeah. or something you know that gets my my attention but 
the guy who did uh, CGI work or the company yeah. of that shark, mm-hmm. uh, I wonder what kind of name, you know, because in Jaws it was Bruce. I I, okay. I wonder what the uh, what they gave the shark. I'm sure they gave it a name. Hmm. Just, they, they never see it's not it's not going to be mentioned inside the movie. Okay, it's, it's the workers named the shark. So okay, gotcha. I have no idea what they what they they named the other sharks. Did. Like there was one called Rosie and uh, yeah. I forgot her do- her son actually, you know, but they named those two and some of the others. But but those sp- those were uh, whales. Those were whales. Those oh. were whales. Yeah, never mind. I thought they were sharks. No, they were whales. Okay, never mind. You know, whales are friendly to humans, <laughs> unless it's uh, you know one of those killer killer whales that yeah. they got out there. But the bottom line is, is that you know nothing like that shark. That shark, he had an insatiable oh. appetite. Although I will say this, didn't you think that they? Re- and I guess it's because the director said they definitely want to make sure that movie got a PG-13 rating mm-hmm. because they want kids to be able to come and see it so yeah. they couldn't make it too bloody. Uh, but I thought that they lost. They they really missed doing something special when that shark was under the water going by all of those swimmers. Right. I, I think there's two that. people who died. Yeah. And there's hundreds upon hundreds of swimmers out there and that that especially, i mean they could have opened his mouth and he could have just ingested most of them especially <laughs> with the following small twist you know following that scene you yeah. would think that you know he's underneath all these swimmers and people just having fun that would have been a great time would just scoop them all up at that, once and that was yeah. the only time as far as i was concerned yeah where they did a cheap rip off of jaws okay Remember in Jaws, one of the big things was to take the camera underwater mm-hmm. and you could see everybody's feet and everything. Mm-hmm. They did that they at sure that did. scene. Mm-hmm. You know, give you that view of what the shark uh, shark was seeing. But, you know, what made Jaws so, uh, so great was that the shark, since it was an animatronic shark, didn't work very well and they couldn't get it to... Uh, to act the way it was supposed to. Yeah. And so you didn't get to see it very often. Mm-hmm. And that helped heighten the tension yeah. of where is the shark? Right. You know? Mm-hmm. Well, the shark was usually being fixed on the land <laughs> uh, for the next time they were hoping to be able to use it uh, in Jaws. So anyway, but it's a good You You can waste your money on Slender Man or you can go and see the meg I and may, enjoy it i may go see it one more time to tell you the truth it's fun it's that's it it's a fun movie it knows what it is mm-hmm. and there are scenes i swear you look at jason statham and he's looking right at the camera and kind of winking at you yeah you know it's got that kind of a feel uh, feel to it it's good um, i will tell you this also the opening scene will get your attention it's a great opening scene all right we got to get the news. Let's get that done. Then uh, Zach and I come back, tell you about some more movies you might want to go see this weekend. Hey, if you're looking for work, uh, don't forget where I've been talking about with PI Roofing. They're looking for folks that like to work with their hands, like to work outdoors, want to get hooked up with a new uh, business. And they're not really new, but an expanding you know, business that's growing by leaps and bounds. And that's PI Roofing. Uh, if you're detail oriented, you want to you know do things with your hands and be outside. PI Roofing is the place for you. PI Roofing and Home Solutions expanding their operations department to better serve their customers as they grow. 
You can go and build your future with them. PI Roofing and Home Solutions has career opportunities in their commercial roofing and service division, uh, residential roofing and service division, and their home solutions uh, division. You can go out and uh, get your ladder to success and hook it up to PI Roofing. All you have to do is apply at piroofing.com. That's one word, piroofing.com, or call them uh, 501-707-3551. That's uh, 501-707-3551. I got to tell you, I've known Joel Johnson uh, from the early 2000s on. He is one of the most upstanding guys that I've ever met. Uh, He's not going to screw you. And uh, it's a great company to go work for. That's piroofing.com. That's a good place to go get a good start on a career, if that's the kind of work you like to do. All right, let's get back, talk a little bit more here with our uh, our buddy, uh, Zach. And again, Matt Smith was going to be here, but he'd been gone for almost two weeks, came back, and today, I guess first day back in the office in a while, and he was buried you know, he came in and it's like he's the man. I mean, he owns all these play, all these uh, movie theaters and uh, Hot Springs and in Searcy and Cabot and right here in Little Rock. And he was buried by work that he had to get done, so he's not able to make it today. But he'll be back with us again next uh, uh, Friday. All right, so let's talk about a movie that opened last night. It's Mile Twenty Two. Mm-hmm. All right. If you like action, if you like Asian action movies, you're going to love this movie. This movie, action-wise, is incredible. I mean, it really is incredible. Now, I asked you about this, uh, Zach, earlier today because I was talking about the movie and discussing it with you. And I I said to you, I said, hey – did you ever see those uh, Thailand movies, The Raid and The Raid 2? And you said, yeah, I, I saw them. And I said, do you remember the dude that did all the the stunts in that movie? And you said, yeah, he was really great. I said, he's in this movie, and he's beyond great. I mean, he really is. Yeah. I mean, I, who was it? Jai, that uh, is the guy from... Uh, over in in that part of the of the the world, I think he's Taiwan as uh, as well. You know, he's he's a big big guy uh, on on the circuit out there. Mm-hmm. And uh, this this guy this time in this movie, and, and I'm I'm going to it right now. Hold on, so I can give you his name. Eco Uy or how do you, I'm, yeah, how I'm do not you sure how to pronounce his last name. Right, but, you know, Eco. He mm-hmm. he was the guy who starred uh, in the 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 raid mm-hmm. and the raid part two. Yeah, he was also in uh, some other movies that were actioners as well. I'm taking a look real headshots. Quick. Yeah, headshots. Mm-hmm. A great movie. That's a that's okay. a fun movie to see as as well. You like you'd like that movie and Man of Tai Chi. Yep, mm-hmm. and that's that's kind of a. A historical movie, okay. Uh, that that he did. So um, I'm trying to see. It says country. The movie is country of origins, United States. However, 
Mm-hmm. It's a definite Indonesian action movie. Yeah. If here's the strange thing about it is that it's an Indonesian ha- uh, you know action movie directed by an American director Peter Berg and filmed in Central America. <laughs> that's pretty crazy. That's pretty that's that's just really really crazy as far as I'm concerned. Uh the languages spoken in the movie are English, Russian and Indonesian. Okay. Filming locations Bogota, Colombia. <laughs> and uh it's known in France as 22 miles instead of mile 22 it's known as 22 miles. Yeah. So everybody knows. And it opened uh, yesterday. Like I said, if you like action, you're going to like this movie. It's got a pretty doggone good cast in it. You've got Mark Wahlberg who's in it. You got Lauren Cohen. That's right. Walking Dead, Maggie, and mm-hmm. who we're talking about. She's in it. Uh, John Malkovich is in it. He plays Mother. Yeah. All right. And uh, he's good in. He does a good part in this. Ronda Rousey is uh, in it. Probably one of her better roles, to be honest. They let her do a little bit more than just punch somebody's face in. Yeah. You know, they actually let her um, act a tad. She's good. The guy that you really will hate before the movie is out is Sam Medina. Okay. And what movie? He was in a movie just recently. Uh, He's going to be in Venom. But he was also in... Uh, he was in Kickboxer Vengeance. Yeah. Uh, Stalkers. He was in He was in that as well. Okay. He's been in Preacher. Oh, okay, really? AMC. Yeah. Uh, what was it? He was in, in the, the one uh, uh, International Assassin with uh, Kevin, what's his name? Where, you know, you know, I'm trying to think of... Um, uh, True Memoirs of an, inter- an International Assassin. It's a Netflix movie, basically, is what okay. it was. Mm-hmm. had Kevin James in it. All right. Okay, so he was in that. Now, he typically plays a bad guy, and he plays a, a real scumbag in, in this one. Yeah. Just, I mean, a real scumbag. So mm-hmm. uh, you won't like him at all. You'll You'll think not very highly of him. But the bottom line is, is that um, the, the the synopsis of the story is this: guy comes uh, is being used as an informant. All of a sudden, shows up at the U.S. embassy in wherever it is that they're supposed to be at. I don't think they ever say what country they're in. Uh, has a hard drive in his hand, and his hard drive tells the location of where some people have some dust that's been weaponized that would kill 100,000, 200,000 people if if just uh, a little bit in an envelope was spilled out on a sidewalk. Mm-hmm. So he says, I will give you the code to break into this hard drive yeah. so you'll find out where all this is but you have to take me to the United States. I gotcha. Okay. I want to be, I want to get out of this country mm-hmm. because I found out this information. I've got this information. 
and uh, the people of my country see me as a traitor, and they're trying to kill me. I was just about to say, I'm going to see him as a snitch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, Mark Wahlberg and Rousey and Cohen and some other guys are members of a CIA team uh, that uh, are so secret that they don't even know what they're supposed to be doing. <laughs> okay. And Mark Wahlberg is kind of a, a child prodigy that the CIA got when he was really young. Okay. And uh, trained him to be, quote, super spy. Mm-hmm. All right. And their, their job is to get this guy to a C-130 at a airstrip in, in 22 miles away. That's yeah. where the, the, the title comes from. And if they can get him there alive and get him up on the plane, he'll give them the password that gets them into this uh, hard drive. So anyway, they um, that's what the movie's about. And it's a great movie. Mm-hmm. Now, I've read some reviews, and, and the most of them are, it's not all that good a movie. I think it's very good. I thought 8-2, eight, eight, yeah. I'd give it a you know, B, B+. Plus. A good movie. What did they say was wrong with the movie? Was it about the characters or something? Well, I told you what it, what I thought it was, all right? Mark Wahlberg and Peter Berg have worked together. Now, this is the fourth movie. Yeah. And uh, people are saying, well, you know, this is kind of like the same old, same old American exceptionalism, the hero and the hero who will sacrifice his life for his country and all of that. Yeah. Um, you know, Peter Berg and Wahlberg have done um, – the one about the the uh, you know the the, the special operators, mm-hmm. the seals, uh, that get caught up on the hill mm-hmm. and 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 fought their way through it um, and, and got got out at the end, but uh, other people died, of course, because of where they were at. And then you got uh, they did the, the Patriot uh, Patriots Day, which yep. was about the the bombing at the. The, the run the Boston Marathon and then the uh, event, uh, the horizon Deepwater horizon yeah Deepwater mm-hmm. horizon and all of those movies are superior movies they they're are. very good Peter Berg's a great director mm-hmm. and and Wahlberg is kind of the eight, the everyman character uh, in those movies and he's yeah. he's very good at that part he plays that part well I mean he started Playing that part way back when he did Sniper. You remember Sniper? I do. I do. All right. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that was one that uh, kind of set him on the course for that. That's why they created a TV series on the USA Network yeah. that just got canceled. But yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. it's a good. It's, it was a good movie. Mm-hmm. But bottom line, I think it's really good. But uh, I think that the critics didn't like it because it's the same way. And uh, I don't know if they like the way the Thais or the Indonesians do their action okay they they kind of do that uh stuff that uh oh what's the uh the series the born movies you know where they use all the real quick cuts and all of that oh yeah they use that and a lot of people don't like that because it's hard to follow the action right and uh they use that mm-hmm. uh in this movie because like i said uh, it's got a very indonesian feel to it mm-hmm. the action but the action is outrageously good. I can't wait to see it. This guy, this guy that I'm talking about, who did the raid and raid two. Yeah, he is just outrageously good. And there is just some 
I'm sure people got hurt doing the choreography. That, yeah. And he's the guy who choreography, uh, did the choreography for the movie. Okay. And uh, then he played the part and made sure that the action was the way it was supposed to be. It's really, really good. That's good. Okay. It's, uh, it's good. You'll like it, man. If you like action movies, do not miss this movie. And it's got a nice twist of an ending for you. Mm-hmm. And they're already working on part two. Okay. I cool. think it's going to do, it should do fairly well uh, at the uh, at the theaters this weekend. Now, that everybody's talking that the one that's going to do the big cleanup is, is going to be uh, the uh, Crazy Rich Asian movie i like who they got in this because i'm a big michelle yow fan yeah i mean a huge michelle yow fan she's been around forever she's been bond girls she's been everything all right and uh but i i hate when they start doing movies and start telling you how great they are because it, it, it gives a nod to just asian actors it's like it's it's like the build up we got for Black Panther. Yeah. The first black superhero. I don't care what color they are. I don't care you know if they're Asians or if if uh, they're Indonesians and there's a difference there have I just said uh, <laughs> or Chinese or South. I mean look, I've been hooked on South Korean cinema, Chinese cinema, Japanese cinema for years and even Indonesian cinema. I mean was it Jai, the the guy there from Thailand? That's so good. All his movies are about kind of like about elephants, but they're really really good. Boy, uh, was it Ong Boy or whatever that one that he did? You know what I'm talking about. You've seen him. Uh, and in their religion, you know, elephants play a very high spiritual role. Yeah. So anyway, they're really good. But bottom line, it's um, I got problems that. Everybody's going, oh, it's going to be so good because it's all an all-Asian cast. That doesn't make it good or bad. What makes it good or bad are the actors believable. Yeah. Do they pull off the lines the mm-hmm. way they're supposed to? And is it a story that draws me in? Because if it's a story that draws me in, I forget who I'm watching. Right. I'm watching the characters mm-hmm. at that point. All right. So let's take a break. We'll come back. We'll talk a little bit more about some other movies that are out there. We're going to talk about Crazy Riches Asians as well, just because it's it's got one of my all-time favorite female martial arts uh, people in it, Michelle Yao. So Dave Ellswick's show. We're back and more. So when we come back, uh, some, this is what uh, else is playing at the shows. We've talked about Mile 22. If you like action, it's rated R for brutal Brutal violence, all right? Be aware. This is not for your 12-year-old. I'm just telling you, it's not for a 12-year-old kid. Uh, Make the call uh, if they're under 16, Mm -hmm. I'm just saying. You might have a kid that's old enough that can go see something with this kind of action. Yeah. But it's it's bloody, and it is violent, exceptionally violent violent i can't wait to see after it. you see it wednesday you tell me if you don't think it's one of the most violent films you've seen in a while yeah it's, but uh, i might go see it again this weekend i was really <laughs> impressed by it uh then there's uh the crazy uh rich uh, asians which is a a comedy i guess you call it a dramedy 
got some drama in it, got some comedy in it. It's a formula kind of movie. It's going to end the way you think it should end. Will the young lady marry the guy who she finds out is the son of some of the most richest people in Singapore? Yada, yada, yada. Of course she will. That's the reason they made the movie. Uh, so that got uh, you got that. I hope that didn't spoil it for you. You should know better. Uh, anyway, uh, Black Klansman. Uh, got a great uh, review last week uh, from uh, Zach, and he really, really liked it. Go into it knowing it's a Spike Lee movie. Spike Lee has very strong racial undertones to his movies, uh, and if that bothers you, then stay away. That's all I can tell you about that. The Meg, great action movie uh, with the tongue-in-cheek approach. It's a lot of fun to see. And the Mission Impossible Fallout is a great movie. If you have not seen that movie yet, that's one. This is one of those movies you really want to see on the big screen. Yes, there's there's some real there's some great set pieces in this motion picture that your 65 inch big screen TV will not do it justice the, at at home. I agree because I went to the McCain Mall RPX room to watch it instead of going to Riverdale 10 because you know you just it's a bigger screen. Yeah, you know I just want to see it on the bigger screen. You as fall possible. into the screen. <laughs> That's the way it is. I mean, yeah. you just fall into it. Uh, Christopher Robin, I've heard good things about it. Good family movies, but I've been told eighth grade. Uh, I just know what it's about. Other than that, I don't know how good it is. Mama Mia, I can only, you know, they're going to do a bunch of ABBA songs. I can tell you that. Uh, Dog Days, don't know about that one. Slender Man, if you've read any of the news stories, you know what they're going to talk about. And then The Spy Who Dumped Me is just a silly comedy. That's what it, uh, what that is. Might, if you're looking just something to make you smile, might be the movie that you'll want to go out uh, and see. And then this new one called Boundaries, got Christopher Plummer in it and got uh, Vera Farmiga uh, in it, might be one that you might want to see as well. It's rated R, uh, rated R drug material, language, some sexual references, and some, this is the first one for me, nude sketches. Never heard of that before. No, I haven't either. Nude sketches. Does that mean it's all of the the movies that have, you know, statues of nude uh, poses are going to have to be rated R now? I find, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Yeah, it's just kind of silly stuff at times. So anyway, that's in it. Uh, the the Asian movie, uh, Crazy Rich Asians, is PG-13. Uh, Mile 22 is a hard R. All right, that's the best way I can put it. It's a hard R. It is very, very violent. Okay, and it's violence. It's not. I don't. I don't remember any nudity or anything like that. Violence and language. That's what you're going to get in uh, Mile Twenty Twenty Two. But if you like action, you'll like this movie, and it's got a great plot. I thought it was a good plot. They thought some of the critics thought the the plot was convoluted. Yeah. Some things it gets kind of. Gets gets ugly, you know. Mm-hmm. So, problem. All right. When we come back, Zach and I are going to talk about uh, TV. We don't talk about TV enough. Most of us watch more TV than we do movies, or we watch movies on TV. So, we'll talk about that when we come back. Getting ready for your weekend here on the Dave Ellswick Show. It's Fun Friday here on one hundred one point one FM. The Answer. All right. We're going to take some time to talk a little bit about television. I'm going to go home and watch a little TV tonight. I was talking to uh, 
uh, Zach earlier and was telling him that tonight I was going to spend some time on you, uh, you not YouTube, on uh, Amazon because I haven't been spending a whole lot of time on Amazon lately. I've done most of my watching on Netflix. Mm-hmm. But uh, the stuff that's going out on right now uh, – at Amazon seems to be pretty doggone good right now. Yeah, I mean, a, lot, a lot of good stuff going. Mm-hmm. I'm waiting for this new Jack Reacher series Me to too. come on. And I'm ready for season three of uh, Man in the High Castle. That comes out later this year. You know, is it, are they finally doing it? I believe it's so. It's taken a long time mm-hmm. to get to the third season. They kind of started losing me in the second season. Okay. I thought that it, it was... It was kind of drifting a little bit. Mm-hmm. Did it, seem, it didn't seem the first season, and this is a lot. Most television is like this. The first season, many times, is the best season right. because that's the season you've had time. It's kind of like a rock musician, same thing, where you've got all this time to prepare for the first season now, or the first album. Because you've been writing songs for the first album for years, sometimes mm-hmm. now you're you're throwing all the best that you had using up all that time, yeah. And now you got to come up with number two, and you got to do it in like a year, right? Not as easy. Yeah, the first season was great because it was this mystery of who is this man in the high castle, like you know who are creating. Yeah, these, what is he doing? Yeah, what is he doing? Who's creating these? Um, you know these movies, whatever promoting um hope for the future yeah you know who's doing this so that was the that was the great thing about season one right season two as you get into more of the time travel stuff you know it did confuse me a little bit because i mean when you were describing it about a year ago i was like you know i started watching it and i was like man you know i don't know if i can get behind it yeah you know time travel is hard to do i'm just saying it's hard to keep it interesting right yeah that's i mean Movie, a movie here in the last few years that I thought did time travel really, really good was Looper. Okay, I thought that was a really good movie. It had mm-hmm. Bruce Willis in it yeah. and Ryan Gosling, I think, was in it. It was really well done. But time travel is a difficult subject to pull off in yeah. movies. Mm-hmm. It, it really is. Yeah, you know, I mean, you can you can do it really well like looper was done or you can do it cheap like dallas was done <laughs> uh you know where they you know bobby walked out of the shower and you know kind of thing nobody killed jr yeah i mean that that's just cheap if you ask me that's right. a cheap way out and and people were i remember when that happened people were not happy you don't remember because you weren't you're not old enough are you yeah. Do you even remember a show called Dallas? I've heard of it before. <laughs> With Larry Hagman? <laughs> yeah. Was it Michelle Gray that was in Was it Michelle Gray that was in it? Was it wasn't that the lady that was in Buck Rogers in the 21st century? Wasn't she in it? Anyway, you know, some great, it, it, it was a good soap opera. Mm-hmm. It was then, a prime time yeah. evening soap opera, like Falcon Crest or something like that. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm not a big fan of those type of shows. Yeah. The only show that was a series like that that I liked was Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman. You probably don't even know what I'm talking no about. No idea. Okay. You just, just trust me. Go to YouTube. They got stuff. They got stuff there for Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman. It it was so, it was so, Twin Peaks is another one. 
it was just so different. Yeah. And off the beaten path that mm-hmm. I really liked watching them. Yeah. You know, but uh yeah. But see that was the difference between the two first two seasons and uh you know, what that they've done greatly, I think, is with the character um General Smith, you know, you know, him finding out what's going on and him getting all the way to Hitler, you know, yeah. basically. And that scene at the end where he's looking out, you know, in that stadium and he's like, Man, I just cracked the mystery of like what's going on mm-hmm. and it's just, you know, he's like gosh you know would i be thought of as a traitor as a snitch or what because it was his fellow officers who were doing wrong against hitler they so you know they got his character you know his plot line everything is great for him but the overall story you know when they got to the time travel they just like "Eh." who is the guy who's plays the um the german officer who who is that that plays that part as he is He's really good at playing those kind of a, you know, enigma kind of characters that you don't know where they're at. I mean, I I love how they turn the tables on him, where you know if your child had something genetically wrong, they put them down. You yes, know? and that's and then, that's General Smith, Rufus Sewell. Yeah, yeah, Rufus Sewell. Mm-hmm. You know, and then all of a sudden he finds out his own son right needs to be killed, and he ends up. I don't want to give away something. I guess I can give it away. It's the first season. It's been over a year. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. He kills that doctor. Right. All right. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just a, you know, when the when the shoe's on your foot, suddenly it it pinches. You and, know what I'm saying? And then his wife started putting together some dots, like you know, oh, I don't know if he's the man that I really thought he yeah. was. Yeah. Because he she doesn't know for sure that he killed him, but. For some reason, when they found out what was wrong with their son, yeah. this doctor's dead. Yeah, suddenly he dies. Yeah. Mm. But it's, that's uh, that's it. You know, his, I mean, his storyline in the show is an interesting one. It is. Yeah. Well, Rufus Sewell, really great actor. He's done a lot of good movies in a, and uh, a lot of good television as well. I'm trying to think of the movie that I liked him so much. It was kind of a sci-fi uh, uh, film, and uh, it was okay. about it was about a city, dark city, dark city. Okay, and that was an excellent, okay, excellent, uh, film. You know okay. the the thing about Peter is that you know he doesn't look intimidating, but for some you know it, it but it still feels that way. You know he but he doesn't look he doesn't speak in a commanding fashion. But, you know, he just plays that part so well. Now, you know, that's what I love about him. But, you know, that's just, you know, I'm ready for season three of that show. And um, as far as Jack Ryan, too, I can't wait for that to come. Is that next month or is it two months I'm, away? Let me let me look and see if I can come up with the, the Amazon because it's one of the reasons that I'm interested in, in uh, Amazon.com. There again, okay, Jack Ryan. And, again, this is the guy – um, from a quiet place. Yep. That's um, you know he's married to um, Emily Blunt. Emily Blunt. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they acted together. Okay, Shadow Recruit is that the one that? Yes, that is it. Yeah. Okay. That, be there. that was the film. Uh, let's see TV. Let's see Amazon. Let me just let me go there. Let's see what they say. Give us oh, a date. Okay. August thirty first. Yeah. Coming about a week. About a week away. Okay. Week and a half. Yep. Gonna start off and doing its thing. I'm kinda interested to see how it how it works. Yeah. 
you know, because he's kind of, uh, isn't it the, the storyline, the one that, um, where the, the terrorists have the atomic bomb or whatever, isn't that the one they're going to start off with? I'm not sure. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how many people have read all the Jack Ryan uh, books, but mm-hmm. they're really, really good. Yeah. If you've not had a chance to watch them. I kind of liked the, the way that Harrison Ford played him. Okay. He was good in that. And, of course, Alec Baldwin played him in the first movie, uh, Hunt for Red October. Oh. He was in that. And then um, trying to think, um, what's his name? Plays Batman now. Played uh, him, uh, played him in ben a Affleck? Couple, yeah, mm-hmm. Affleck played, mm-hmm. played him uh, in a movie as well. So interesting. Okay, so is it possible in the Arrowverse, all right, because – uh, they're doing some pretty crazy stuff. Yeah, with uh, Queen, uh, the Arrowverse to introduce Batwoman and avoid any mention of Batman. Well, they always mention Batman all the time at Arrow. They yeah. always refer to him, you know. So yeah. there should be no nothing wrong with that whatsoever. Yeah, you know, they're mm-hmm. saying when it was announced that this year's annual crossover mm-hmm. event would introduce the character of Batwoman and kick off a solo series for the popular heroine. This looked to mark a big change. The Dark Knight uh, detective and his civilian alter ego of Bruce Wayne have both been mentioned in passing on all of the CW superhero uh, shows, but Warner Brothers' tight embargo on allowing the various names and characters tied directly to the Batman mythos Mm -hmm. to be used on television outside of the series Gotham has largely prevented anything other than vague hints in the past. Yeah. This has prompted two questions from fans. First, is this status quo going to change for the sake of the new Batwoman series? And if that policy hasn't changed, how can there possibly be a Batwoman show without referencing Batman? I agree. Yeah. So uh, thankfully, it's not as daunting the task as it seems on the surface. While the character of Batwoman was inspired by Batman in the reality of DC Comics universe, the two characters have had little interaction with each other outside of crossover events until relatively recently in the monthly comic books. As such, it's entirely possible mm-hmm. for the Batwoman series to take a similar approach and let Batwoman exist apart from Batman. You know, I think there was up to about, I don't know, between five to seven references to Batman in the most recent season of Arrow. So, I mean, you know, they are always going. Matter of fact, I think Oliver even said Bruce Wayne at one point, just as a joking point during a time. He, I think he was giving a speech or yeah. he was doing a press conference. He just said Bruce Wayne, you know, so eh, they can do it. They yeah. can do it. The question of whether or not Batman exists on Earth One, the primary setting of most of the CW superhero shows, has been danced around since the early days of the Arrowverse, the plot episode of The Flash. Mm-hmm made reference to the existence of Bruce Wayne with a below-the-fold headline in a newspaper from the future mentioning a merger between Wayne Tech and Queen Incorporated. Right. A season six episode of Arrow later saw Oliver Queen name-dropping Bruce Wayne directly while cracking wise to the press, right, what you were talking about, yeah, about a fake photograph that seemed to show him dressed as Green Arrow saying they could have put Bruce Wayne's head on that body. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. <laughs> there haven't been any direct references to Bruce's alter ego on Earth One, though 
there have been a number of nods to his impact. Mm-hmm. One episode of The Flash made reference to Blackgate Penitentiary, home to those cr- criminals in Gotham City, judged sane enough to avoid a stay, a stay at Arkham. Uh, several episodes of Arrow have taken place in Bloodhaven, the city just down the river from Gotham City, and uh, adopted hometown of Nightwing. Arrow has also made reference to both Haley Quinn and Oracle existing in some form on Earth-1. So some interesting things to get into yeah. for the new season of Arrow. Mm-hmm. Be fun. Yeah. It'd be fun. It's interesting that what DC is doing with Arrow is what, uh, you know, with Batman, what they're doing on Gotham. Hmm. And how they, they, they're mixing it all together. You know, the last season of Gotham is coming up next year. That's going to be the last season. Yeah, they know they they've made it. They're going what they're going to do is you're going to you're going to see Batman at the end of that that's that series. There's no doubt. I mean, that's what it's all been about. Mm-hmm. How Bruce Wayne Becomes evolved mm-hmm. into Batman. Right. That's, I thought I thought it was going to happen a little sooner than what they've done, but I agree. They're going to bring back I guess it's going to be another season of all the biggest and baddest villains that Batman could ever take on and that's why it's taken long because they had one season just focused on those villains and, oh, it's, you know, been, it's been great exactly and i really like how they have presented uh the joker and the riddler right i think it's been done well mm-hmm. really really well mm-hmm. penguin's been done well too oh yeah you know oswald has been that guy has been yeah. really good he's great as all i agree with that he's mm-hmm. gotten into it but uh the the way they took the Joker and it was, you know, the Joker when he died and then he hit his son, his uh, brother with that gas. Right. And, and his gas, you know, the gas turned him into mm-hmm. the real Joker. Exactly. I thought that was really well done. Because before his brother died, you know, he told something to uh, Gordon about, you know, my name and my reputation is going to supersede you and it's going to carry on in Gotham for years to come. Yep. And then, bam, with his brother, you know, with the gas and all this, it just, you know, it's going to get his legacy carried on. So it, I agree with that. Because you, you can see all the dark, the dark backstory of Batman yeah. starting to work on Bruce now, mm-hmm. you know, with the whole, you know, the ghoul and all that kind of stuff. Right. He killed him and he's really not dead. Mm-hmm. He's back and right. he's trying to, trying to put, kind of bring, trying to put, uh, Bring the dark side. It's kind of like a Star Wars story right yeah. now. They're trying to bring Bruce to the dark side. Exactly. Kind of an interesting uh, uh, show, mm-hmm. to say the least. All right, 22 after. we got to get a break in. Let's do that. I've been talking about applied research for several weeks. I hope you've taken time to give them a call. I've been thinking about calling about one of these studies. I won't tell you which one, but I, I meet all the requirements. I should try to get involved with it. Uh, it's one of these clinical research studies you got going on, and these are products that are being uh, uh, tested, and they're in their final stages. So uh, it's they're they're safe to use. They just want to make sure that they do exactly what they say they're going to do. If they say it's going to clear up this problem or that problem, they want to make sure that it absolutely does. So you have uh, products like one for asthma. If you have moderate to severe asthma and it's persistent, uh, it's not adequately controlled by current medicines, 
you may qualify for this clinical research study. You have to be between the ages of 12 to 80 years old. You have to be diagnosed with moderate to severe asthma, and you got to be taking some different inhalers. Uh, for instance, a long-acting beta um, agonist in uh, inhaler uh, to be considered for this. And then they have one about overactive bladder. Uh, the clinical trial evaluates an investigational medicine for overactive bladder in women. This is a big problem for women uh, as they age. Participants uh, have to be between 18 to 80, have at least a six-month history of overactive bladder symptoms that include urgency, incontinence, and frequency. That's real easy to find out if you meet the requirements for these uh, clinical research studies. Go to arcarkansas.com, arcarkansas.com. Their website has all these studies on it. You get a little pull-down uh, that you can look at. tells you exactly what kind of uh, you know things you have to have going on in your life to be considered for them. Uh, then you can put your name in for uh, the study, and they'll get back to you. Or you can just call 501-954-7822. Uh, there's compensation on some of these. Uh, you get to have uh, the the medicines that they're testing, unless you happen to get uh, the one that's not the medicine to see uh, if you still feel like something's happening to you or whatever. But 501-954-7822, give them a call. See if you can get involved. You'll not be able to uh, only be helping yourself, but you'll be helping a lot of other people too. All right, back. They just have announced. Season two of The Punisher has wrapped filming. Really? Cool. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm up for this. Yeah. I mean, uh, they left that perfectly to pick up the story and keep on going. Now, I'm, I'm going to be uh, honest. I, I haven't been following this close enough to know all the storylines from mm-hmm. The Punisher. I mean, I should have asked Chuck Dixon when we had him on a couple mm-hmm. of weeks ago because he's the man behind The Punisher, basically. Uh, they said season two looks like it's Early speculations are saying it's going to adapt the suicide run storyline from the comic books, and I don't know what that is that you're referring to. Uh, while it's a popular fan theory, some have thought that the slaver storyline may be adapted instead, since Josh Stewart, uh, Florinia Lima, and Georgia Wingham had all been cast in roles similar to those in the comics. Even though the official synopsis is yet to be revealed, fans can be expecting something soon now that season two has finished uh, filming. Likewise, Corbin Burns, uh, Benson and Annette O'Toole have been added to the cast as a wealthy couple. Man, I like Annette O'Toole. I've liked her ever since that Robbie Benson movie back at the uh, years ago. Uh, where they were talking about uh, where he's playing like at UCLA basketball, you know, uh, up your butt with a red-hot poker. Everybody remember that movie? All right. Anyway, Annette O'Toole was in that. She's the redhead. Uh, she's going to be now in The Punisher. All right, we got to get to news. Let's do that. Tim Lim's going to join us in just a moment. All right, so, Zach, let's talk about three other TV shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm trying to think. One is on uh, regular television and the other two are on netflix and our shows on netflix so let's start off with one that 
don't expect to see season two until late next year. This kind of freaks me out because it was so well received. Why they're waiting so long to bring back season two. And that, of course, is uh, Lost in Space. Everybody liked that show. I mean, critics really liked it. You didn't like it all that much, did you? It was, you know, it was slow. It's, um, it was fine. You know, it it wasn't. I don't think it was as great as probably as you probably perceive it or anyone else. But I liked it a lot. I really, I really did. Here's Tim Lim now. I still have the doctor finished. has reached the studio, and I still haven't finished up the last two episodes of the season. Oh, you got to see those. Those are two of the best episodes there. Well, see, you know that's what happens when the first few, you know, the other episodes. You know, yeah, the other ones start coming back, and, and you got to jump right on it. Right. So, uh, do you watch much Netflix original programming? Tim? It depends on what it is. Did you watch Lost in Space? I did not. Okay. We were talking about the season two. I mean, it was really well received mm-hmm. by the fans. And I don't understand. They're going to start filming again next month. Okay. Why are you waiting to the end of 2019 to release it? Or I'm, early 2020, they're even saying. Yeah. It always, um, I don't know, it always makes me wonder what makes them decide uh, when to renew a season and when to start filming and all of that. Like, right. for example, when I was driving in here, I heard you all talking about, uh, like, Punisher Season 2. Yeah, that, they're saying that's going to come up here pretty soon. Yeah, and I think what Marvel does is pretty smart. They know pretty early on if a series is going to do well, and then they greenlight it within, like, two weeks of the mm-hmm. initial release. And that that's why it's, like, back to back to back with yeah. all these Marvel yeah, we need series. Yeah, we need to call Chuck Dixon back. <laughs> we need him to talk about the comic book series that which one are they going to follow now jigsaw's got to be in it oh yeah i mean they put jigsaw together in the in the final yeah. you know uh episode of the first season mm-hmm. i loved it uh, and, me too i do i agree with that and they're gonna i mean i don't know how he's going to get quote his superpower that he's supposed to have huh. Supposed to have some kind of superpower i always thought jigsaw was just a guy that was on a mission yeah, he doesn't have a superpower. No. He's okay, just a, he don't like the Punisher. Okay. Yeah, he's just he's just a crazy dude. <laughs> yeah. He don't like the Punisher at all. But see, in this one, in the te- in the series on Netflix, you know, like I so said, they have a past. I believe mm-hmm. in the comics, they don't. No. They just be, you know, he just wants to, I guess, run the city or whatever, do what they want to do, and the Punisher won't allow. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty yeah. much what the way it's going. But I do like this connection between the two in their past, you know, being in the army and all that. They, I do like that, and, you know. And that, and one that, was a good soldier, and the other one wasn't. Yeah, and <laughs> in the fight scene, you know how he, the glass, you know, he used. To, oh my, he rubbed his face on the glass. Just oh my. Well, he goodness. didn't just rub it. He grabbed him, put him against it, and yeah. just drug his face down on it. It was perfect. It I mean, was. it was the perfect it ending was. to that season. Yes. I mean, I looked at my wife and I go, oh, cool. They're bringing on Jigsaw. Jigsaw. <laughs> just ugh. messed up his pretty face, as yeah. they say. Mm-hmm. Well, you, because see, where you got Jigsaw there, what's going to happen when you get back to Daredevil? And where, what's Kingpin going to play in that one? Yeah, they're going to have to cross over at some time because, yeah. I mean, Punisher's only had two main people in his rogues gallery, one being Jigsaw and the other one being Kingpin. Yeah. They got to cross paths at some point. And yeah, it's going to be fun. And I can't wait for season three of Daredevil because, I mean, Kingpin yeah. knows who he, he is. Knows who he knows who he is. And That's oh right. My and he knows goodness. his friends. Yeah. That means Froggy yeah. <laughs> might want to find some place to hide, buddy. Just saying. That's and the right. girl. What was her name? Kate. Kate, Kate mm-hmm. yeah. Or oh, Karen. Karen. Oh, Karen, Karen yeah. yeah right, she Karen. better find a deep hole to go hide in. But you know what? She's fearless. You know? what she She's... No, 
You know, there's people who will say that's fearless, and there's other people who will say it's just stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. You know, you know what I'm saying there. That's just a scary thing to do. Because Foggy would say he would be like us. You know, he would go hide. He would be smart. You know, that's what he would do. <laughs> but Karen, on the other hand, she just it doesn't matter who's in front of her. She wants to whatever she wants to pursue. She's going to do it. I want you to think about this. They got Iron Fist finished. Mm hmm. They got Luke Cage finished. Yep. They got, uh, what's her name? Jessica Jones. Jessica Jones finished. Mm -hmm. Daredevil's waiting. Yeah. He's finished. Mm -hmm. All right. I mean, all of those are ready. And now Iron Fist is ready to go again. Right. As well. That mm -hmm. was the one that was kind of a question mark, but I thought because they're going to do Defenders mm -hmm. even more, they had to keep Iron Fist around. Yeah. I didn't know if they were going to keep the same guy playing him, but evidently that's going to be the case. It is. It and, comes out September 7th, and the what, new season. And what they're saying about this is that Danny Rand battles the Steel Serpent. Do you do you remember the Steel Serpent in I, the comic? I do not. I don't either. I didn't read much Luke Cage. Uh, not Luke Cage, uh, Iron Fist comics. But yeah. Steel Serpent is actually one of his reoccurring um, bad guys. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. I but, just don't remember him. Well, if Davos, Weird. you know, is he just going to be Davos with the red iron fist? You know, what's his name? <laughs> yeah, <I> mean, essentially. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> it but. says there's a lot of optimism now about season two. One of the big focuses have been the improvement of Finn Jones in the leading role, not only from a character perspective, but also, and maybe the most important part, as a fighter. Yeah, you know how many weeks he trained to be Iron Fist for the show? Two. That's yeah. all he had. But that see, to me, I thought he pulled off the character point because, you know, he's playing a, a 10-year-old kid in a 25-year-old body. You know, I thought, you know, as this naive guy back in New York, you know, what's go what, what has happened over the past 15 years? Yeah, I think, he was, I think he was good as an actor. Right. Um, his action scenes were not good. I mean, you could, there was I, so much I, fast editing and stuff. Yeah, I agree with that, you know, the action scenes. But, you know, the character, you know, I thought he pulled off pretty good with that, you know, but, you know. It okay, so the Steel Serpent is the guy with the red fist. Right. Davos. It's Davos. Davos. Yeah. And back in the season two is uh, Colleen Wing. Uh, Jessica Henwick plays that part. Yeah. And after a fan favorite pairing with Misty Knight in The Defenders and Luke Cage oh. season two, Simeon Missick joins this season to give everyone more Daughters of the Dragon team-ups. Okay. That'd be fun. You know That'd what? Good. If you want to watch Luke Cage season two, watch it just for Misty and uh, Colleen. You know those yeah. two together. Oh yeah. You no, know, I like the trailer for Iron Fist season two. It looks Me pretty action packed mm -hmm. as far as that goes. So I'll tell you the one that's going to be more action packed, and and it's a good thing because I thought the second season was kind of slow, and that's going to be uh, the one about the kids on Netflix. Stranger. Stranger Things. You thought it was slow? I thought it was kind of slow. Okay. I thought there was a... You know, it's like I said before we were talking about this, Tim. You tell me if you you think I'm right. When you do the first season, you got all this pent-up creativity that you've worked on for years, maybe. Now you get to do it. Mm -hmm. Then it gets to season two. Now you really got to get creative and do it post-haste. But see, that's why I thought season two was actually better, than, a little bit better than season one. It might have been a little bit more character driven, mm -hmm. but you have to admit there wasn't all that much 
action going on. Yeah. There's a lot of a lot of talking about action, mm-hmm. but there wasn't a lot of watching action. Are you talking about Stranger Things? Yeah, Stranger yeah. Things. Because yeah. you're just not getting Will back, you know, and he's not himself. You you can tell he's not Will, but it's that's the reason why it was more character driven in this season yeah. than season one, basically. Yeah. You're trying to find him in season one, but now that you got him back, you're like, Yeah, okay, he was possessed in he, season two. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. And he did a great job of doing but this. They're already they're already promising that season three is going to be much darker and a whole lot more action and how do you get darker (laughs) that's the thing about with this show how do you get how do you continue elevating the bar you know because how do you how long can you do this show when you've got these kids that are now being signed up to big time movies like it Mm -hmm. and godzilla yeah and uh, are getting big paychecks, how long can you pay them small paychecks and keep them on television? Right. I think that isn't season four supposed to be the last one? Because I know you're going to have season three. I think there's a I, season four. I don't know. But I didn't even finish season two. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I told you, you got slow. It did. It, okay. it, see, see, some of those shows, this is what the big uh, bitch is about Jessica Jones. Yeah. They said that several episodes are nothing more than filler and that's the last thing you want Mm -hmm. your fans to be saying you're just doing this because you gotta you gotta do 10 episodes see this is why i take my time watching these shows because what i do i don't go ahead and watch it as soon as it comes out you don't binge i don't binge i wait and watch it probably about two maybe even a month later and i watch one episode per day if i can if i want to i can probably but i just choose not to okay so you just watch them once in a while, or do you binge? So that's my thing about, for example, the Marvel Netflix series. Yeah. I think that all of their season twos were relatively weak. Mm-hmm. I mean, and the funny thing is I watched all of them, yeah. but what I had to ask myself was, would I rewatch this? And I would just like, kind of cringe because I would think to myself, it was about like Daredevil 60%, 60% meat, 40% that, fat. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Daredevil was like that. Yes, yeah. it was. It but, had a, it like had two or three episodes in a row that didn't uh, go anywhere. Okay, well, see, with Luke Cage season two, you mm-hmm. know, people like to cut up season one in two halves. You had one half for Cottonmouth, mm-hmm. and yeah. then you had the other half for Diamondback. And yeah. people say the second half of, with Diamondback wasn't good at all. They didn't like that half. But the first half was great. So, really, if you look at season two of Luke Cage... Season two is overall the better season if you're going to do it that way. If you're going to cut up season one in two halves, well, season two is an overall better season. I'm going to tell you what. Here, I'm going to make a, a statement about about uh, uh, Cage, and that is the black woman in Harlem. Yeah. She's Maxine Waters. Yes. I, I saw that, too. I thought that was uh, a very almost not so subtle way yeah, of I agree. doing it. Did, I love did, Luke Cage season one. Didn't you get that out of that? I did not. Oh my! Go back and watch it now that it is totally Maxine Waters. Yeah, it's, they they based that character on her. There's okay. no doubt about. It. She is so outrageous in the show. She is. And then they just picked right off of Maxine Waters to do okay. that. Okay, let me ask you. Okay, so Tim, you don't cut season one into two halves like a lot of people do. So. Uh, now that you brought it up, Luke Cage is the only one I can think of where that is a definite example. And that's what I like so much about Luke Cage was yeah. I felt like it never wasted my time because okay. just, just when I, I thought that the whole like Black Mamba storyline was it. So I don't count the episodes when I'm watching. I just keep on watching. Right. 
And then after the Black Mamba part ended, I thought to myself, oh, the series is over. Mm-hmm. And then, no, there's Diamond back. Exactly. And I thought, oh, cool, we get a, a two for one. But now that I think of it, they kind of did that with Daredevil season two also. Yep. You had like the Electra part in the beginning mm-hmm. and then the Punisher part at the end. But I still thought for Daredevil season two, in my mind, I feel like that whole season could have been watered down to five episodes. Right. And just like cram it you. full of stuff. Right. Uh, so that's why I think in terms of a series that have really done their part in terms of giving you more bang for your time, mm-hmm. um, definitely Daredevil season one and Luke Cage season one. I felt that I think Punisher had a lot of filler. Mm-hmm. I felt that um, uh, um, Iron Fist had a lot of filler. And I felt that Jessica Jones had a lot of filler. Really? Yeah. Season one with Jessica Jones? Yeah. Uh, now, wow. to be honest, for, for Jessica Jones... I don't think I, I I I noped out about four episodes in because it was too dark. Wow! Frankly, yeah, yeah. It's it definitely real dark. dark. Yeah, it's definitely yeah. Yeah, that's a dark. I mean, we're talking a woman who's an alcoholic, mm-hmm. yeah, trying to deal with real life and just, can't. You know, mm-hmm. I just you know I just like to say you know you know too many people was bringing up season one of Luke Cage or just saying it's two different ha- two different seasons basically. I loved it. You know, I loved it too. Yeah. But you know, like I said, so many people were doing it, cutting it two half with the different villains. And I'm like, you know, if you're gonna do it that way, well, season two is an overall better season. You know, because it's one full season. It, that's it. You can't cut it in half. Well, I gotta tell you what, uh, you know, the whole thing about Daredevil, that was definitely two different seasons <laughs> between Electra and you yeah. know what's going on with uh, the Kingpin, which I wish. They would call him the kingpin instead of ref- referring him Fisk. to other. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, come on. But see, that's why I loved him in season one, how they were afraid to call him by his name. Yeah. You know, I love that. I mean, we all know it's kingpin. Yeah. The be- the greatest fights that Daredevil ever had in the comics was with kingpin. Yeah. Although he got it, he got it on some with the, what was it, the guy that dressed up kind of like a rhinoceros or whatever. Oh. <laughs> the rhino? That, that, yeah, yeah that was, rhino. that's in Deadpool. Is that uh, no, that's Juggernaut. Jugger- juggernaut. Yeah. He fought Juggernaut several times. Good yeah. stuff. Anyway, let's take a break. When we come back, we'll talk more. If you want to get involved with the discussion, please do. There's a lot of you who are listening right now who watch these shows as well. Give us your thoughts. 823-0965. 823-0965. And a lot of this Marvel stuff we're talking about, it's nothing but fanboy soap operas. That's exactly <laughs> what what they are. It's it's what the women used to like about, uh, you know, Dallas and uh, Falcon Crest. We like it because it's the guys involved with it. Hey, 100% of satisfaction guaranteed with Aero Plumbing. AeroPlumbing.net is where you find all the uh, information you need about getting them out to your home. I'm not going to give you numbers and all of that because you're driving, most of you. So if you're not 100% satisfied with the service you get from them, they'll refund all of your money. Uh they will give you your money back if one of their plumbers would swear in your home, doesn't wear their little booties over their shoes and drag in some dirt, or they haven't been drug tested. You don't pay for the service. If a repair fails in the first year, they'll repair it again at no charge. It's what makes them so good is all the different things, of how far they go for their customers. You know, Earl Donaldson, the man who started Aero Plumbing wanted the best plumbing service around, put his people in uniforms, no more plumber, pencil holder, or anything like that. He uh, makes sure they're well-trained. They meet every week and go over different things that they need to remember about uh, working with their clientele. 
and uh, they just take good care of you. That is Arrow Plumbing, arrowplumbing.net. All right, back with you here on the Dave Ellswick Show, and uh, Dr. Lim made a phone call, and Chuck Dixon's going to join us after the top of the hour. And, of course, Chuck Dixon, man behind recent developments of Batman, uh, talking about the Punisher, talking about Drax. I mean, he's been at the forefront, the most prolific writer in comic book history. The guy is incredible. If you've been listening to the show, you've heard him when he's come on the air. I want to talk about with him about what's coming up on uh, season two of The (laughs) Punisher. They've been talking about a couple of different storylines. One is a like a suicide uh, series that they had in the in the comics. Want to find out what that's all about? Mm-hmm. And and then there was another one, and I'm looking for the story again, so I know exactly what. There's like two different storylines they might follow. I want to see if it's the slavers. The slavers, yeah, that okay. was it. And it's very good, but it, it's not a Chuck Dixon run. It's actually more recent. I think within the last ten years, uh-huh. okay. it's dark. <laughs> it's <And> very dark. <laughs> is it about human slavery? It's about human, like human oh. trafficking. Oh, human trafficking. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That would be very topical yeah. to say. It would be very, very good. It okay. would give him a lot of people to kill, you know, who they're ever doing. Uh, oh, you know? yeah. yeah. I think know. that's one and of those And that's what you need for the Punisher. A great reason. <laughs> yeah. Just to kill. Not a great reason. He doesn't need a great reason. <laughs> I mean, he's a pissed off man. Right. If he perceives this their injustice. Yeah. You know, he doesn't just arrest them and put them in the court system. <laughs> he puts them in the ground. Yeah. He and I think what I think the neat thing about that selection is, if you think about it, there are certain people that Punisher can go after, and I think uh, some people out there who might be bleeding hearts will say, mm-hmm. "Well, I can't empathize with that." Yeah. But if you're a human trafficker, right. I think that's one of those things you're where, not supposed to empathize yeah, with the bad guys. That, that makes you kind Punisher. of the lowest of the low, yeah, and so oh, yeah. makes it an easy target. No pun intended. Yeah. Go ahead, put them down below. Do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they they ask an interesting question on Screen Rant, and I kind of agree with them. Can any series really afford to be a slow burner? No, not right now. Because Luke Cage is a slow burner. Season one or season two? Season one. Oh, I like. I thought it was fast. <laughs> no, that was pretty slow. See, you know, things just aren't slow to me because I take my time and I watch it on my own time. I don't watch it as soon mm. as it comes out. I wait till about a few weeks later, watch it on my own time, and enjoy it. You know, it just, I'm not in a rush, you know, to watch all these episodes. So yeah. that's why it doesn't feel that way to me. You know, Zach know. is a patient person. I, no, I'm, I'm not. I'm a, I'm a binger. I'm, <laughs> I just watch straight through. Man, I gotta, it's I the just, one thing that I've picked up from millennials. I want it now. Yeah. You know, kind of thing. I guess I'm the opposite then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it doesn't surprise you. Zach is old school. Okay. While I'm sitting here, let me tell you, Tim, go see mile 22. Okay. It it surprised me. Has a guy from Ong back in it? Oh my god! No, 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 no. That's that's shy. It's a guy from the Raid and the Raid Two. It's the same guy. Is, is that the it's same, same guy? guy? Yeah, I didn't know. I thought it was uh, okay. Yeah, it's a guy from Thailand, mm-hmm. Indonesia. He's great. Yeah. Wow, the dude can. He's a, chore- a choreographer in this too, and boy, he got some fight scenes in this that'll blow your mind. Cool. All right, take a break. We'll come back. Dr. Tim Lim, Dave Ellswick, along with Zach. Talking about uh, television, talking about the series on Netflix. Get, we'll get to Amazon. They got some, too, that we can talk about here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, back. It's uh, 4 o'clock. 
some of you are lucky. You're getting off from work right now and heading heading home. I'll do that in about 60 minutes, but I'll sit here and talk with you while you're doing it, and that's fine with me because I'm uh, I I enjoy it. Well, I got two hours left. I got this hour and next hour. So's Tim Lim. He's hanging around. I am. Yeah, he's hanging. How's your rabbit? Oh, he's fine. He was yeah. fine. Was it just uh, physical or something? No. What happens is that he's hairy, so he has a basically a trimming that he has to have. No, I thought you were taking him in. Well, you know, I didn't know if the doctor says, you know, turn your head to the left and cough, or <laughs> you know, any any of that kind of stuff. No, not quite. <laughs> Nothing as as bad as that. Just okay. his normal pedicure and manicure and stuff. Okay, well, that's kind of cool. Okay, he's not getting the real long teeth, right? He is. Yeah. Oh, he is. Uh-huh. What do you do? You have to give him like wood or something to chew on that to keep his teeth short. Right. That's what we have to do. Is it true that on animals like that? I mean, we're talking squirrels and stuff. If they don't. I'm telling you right, right right now we're sitting here and Chuck Dixon's listening to this Chuck you know give me a break here I got to ask this question will their will their he- will their teeth really grow through the top of their head that won't happen unless uh well okay so long story short one one of my rabbits the one who has to get his teeth clipped he had an accident where he lost his upper two pairs upper two teeth and so that's why he has to go in for his clippings is because his lower pair they are going to grow up, but they yeah. don't go through his skull. They just grow out of his mouth. Hey. So, yeah, it looks weird, um, and that's why he has to go in for his clippings. Okay. Anyway, I hope that didn't bother you, Chuck, but I, no, I've no. always heard that their teeth grow through the top of their head, and <laughs> as disgusting as I am, I had to, I had to know the truth yeah. about that. <laughs> I wanted to know, too. <laughs> I just wanted to know. It's one of those things you just have to, you, you know, you need to know if that's an old wives' tale or... You know, whatever. Yeah. But it's an old wife. Okay. Well, that bums me out, but that's okay. Good for my rabbit, though. Because I hate squirrels. You know what I call squirrels? I call them rats with fancy tails. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, on the island of, uh, let's see, it's the island of Oahu where, you know, Honolulu is. Yeah. They don't have any squirrels. My cousin lives there, and so she was shocked when she came what here. What did with- they do to get rid of them? Because I'll do it in my neighborhood. They uh, they have dinosaurs because they film a Jurassic Park and Godzilla and stuff there. But they uh, they came here to visit right before they got married, and she and her husband were shocked that we had. They were like, "You have these things just running everywhere." I said, "Yeah, they're squirrels." She's like, "Oh, this, that's weird. We don't have those on the island." And tell them they're rats. Yeah, we should have just said they're just giant rats. The giant rats, with fuzzy tails, with a really, you know, really nice looking tail. That's all it is. Yeah, but they do taste good. I suppose I have been tried a them. judge. I have been a judge here in Arkansas for uh, the the different uh, meals that they make out of squirrel meat. Mm, it's nice. called it's called the other white meat. <laughs> 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 it's a true story, Chuck. I'm not making it up, man. I had squirrel. What was it? Squirrel uh, egg rolls. And they were really, really good. I'll huh. take your word for it. Yeah, the it the most good. adventurous thing I've had is haggis, and it was horrible. Ugh. It was it was the one food I've tried in the last decade where I won't try it again. Yeah, yeah. Well, don't go visiting Sean. No, you know, over I there. Won't. Connery. Connery probably eats it for like lunch all the time. We would like some haggis. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So the reason I I bothered you on this wonderful Friday afternoon. Mr. Dixon and, and I, I, I held a gun to Tim Lim's head and made him call you just so you'll know. Wow. Okay. All right. And he and that, nervous when he called. Yeah, he was. <laughs> he was. There's something about having a forty-four to your skull. 
<laughs> that a, that I, can, I can hear dripping sweat in the background. <laughs> so, anyway, uh, they're, they're coming out. They were talking about on Netflix that uh, season two has been finished on The Punisher and that they're, they're going to be releasing it here soon, but that fans would or have been kind of guessing on which way they're going to go with the series. Will they go with the comics of the slavers, or will they go on the comics of, what was the other one, the Suicide, suicide, suicide Run, I think? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Uh, are you familiar with both of those storylines? Well, Suicide Run I worked on, so yeah, I'm familiar with that one. Okay. And then, I mean, does does either one of those play to the strength of that Jigsaw would be a, a main part of it? Because i got to believe, since they ended with showing Jigsaw being developed as a full-blown character now, that they'd want to use him here in the upcoming second season. I would imagine they're going to, because seriously, Jigsaw is Punisher's only recurring villain. Uh, Punisher villains don't get to recur because he kills them. That's <laughs> my kind of guy. That's <laughs> my kind of guy. Okay. What What do you got for us, sir? Uh, yeah, I'm looking up the Wikipedia page. Uh, Suicide yeah. Run by Chuck Dixon. Okay. So we're yeah. talking to the man, the himself. man who put it together. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, he, that's good. And Chuck, you worked on this with Larry Hama as well. Yeah, yeah. I was there for all the meetings. We had a little summit up in New York and plotted the whole thing out. It was, and Larry and I mostly just wrote each other into corners. <laughs> can you uh, can you tell the listeners like what the g- the general plot is? I mean, assuming that they're going to go in that direction, that'd be pretty cool. It's been a very long time, <laughs> <laughs> so. and you've written a lot of other stuff. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I I really can't remember the general plot line of the story at all. But um, you know, I just I just all I can remember is is that, la- that we had a loose plot line to go on after a, a day of meetings, and then Larry and I just wrote each other into corners. We just kept putting the Punisher in impossible positions at the end of each of our scripts and daring the other to get him out. So <laughs> if um, so, that makes sense to say suicide run. He's taking on incredible odds and continues <laughs> to survive. Well, that's it. That's the Punisher. I mean, you know, when, when the you-know-what hits the fan, he jumps in front of it. That's true. He's a, I, I love the character. I really do. Would you agree with me out of the movies that were made, Thomas Jane did the best job? Yeah, he did the best job as the, in the performance. I didn't like the movie, but he did the best yeah. job in the performance. He really uh, went all in on it. Well, how can you like John Travolta playing the villain? Come on. Yeah, yeah, but I just they treated, they treated him too much like a detective in that story. You know, the Punisher just killed the guy he comes across. Yeah, he doesn't work his way up the ladder like that. You know, he basically kills a bunch of people, and then his idea is that all the other bad guys will come and gun him. You know, now, so. if um, now if they do adapt uh, portions of Suicide Run for Netflix, are you are you seeing a cut of that? How does that work on the back end? Well, if they use your character, they give you a cut. Now, I haven't heard from them about Suicide Run, so I only assume they're not using anyone that I created. And really, the only two recurring Punisher characters that I created were uh, Lynn Michaels, the female Punisher. And Payback, who was sort of an even more low-rent punisher than Frank Castle. Oh, man. Now, now they're using Rosalie Carbone. They use Rosalie Carbone in the new Luke Cage series, even though she's from The Punisher. Mm-hmm. And I did, I did, you know, I will see something from that. Cool. I mean, I, I think everyone wants to see Lynn Michaels at some point. Every time they take these polls of 
Punisher characters you'd want to see. Everyone loved Lady Punisher, even though I don't think she was in. She didn't really have a big presence in the in in the whole mythology of Punisher. But I mean, she was there for a, a nice period of time. Yeah, she's there for quite a few. I mean, I'm looking right. At a, actually, I'm looking at a Suicide Run cover by Michael Golden hanging on my wall with with Lynn and Payback on it. So it, um, she, you know, I put her in a lot. Nobody else used her but me. Mm-hmm. But I, I and, and but I wrote a lot of Punisher, so she shows up quite a bit. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I think that'd be great if they incorporate her. We were actually I can't see how they're not going to get to it. <laughs> <laughs> we were um, uh, during during the break. We were actually talking about um, the series itself. Have you ha- since we last spoke? Have you gotten the chance <laughs> to watch season one of the Netflix show or not yet? No, I've never seen it. The only the only thing this Netflix show is I saw was. I, I skipped to the part of the Luke Cage episode where Rosalie Carbone shows up just to see it. <laughs> Did they do I her seen. justice? <laughs> I just, uh, it's hard to watch this stuff, you know, when you worked on it. And then, <laughs> and then you, you know, because like the Thomas Jane movie you, you mentioned, I mean, they used a lot of my ideas, but I never saw anything from it. It's kind oh, of painful wow. to watch that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no kidding. Well, Thomas Jane, I wanted them to do another movie with him. And well, they, he wanted to, too. Yeah, and they haven't. And, uh, I get what was it? Ray Stevenson that uh, ended up being the Punisher in one of the movies, and I forget who. Yeah. There's like been three of them, and nobody touched Jane. I thought he was really, really good at the part. Yeah, well, he made, he made that short, uh, self-funded short of him playing Frank again. You can find on the I think it's either called Dirty Laundry or Laundry Day or something like that. Yeah, okay. Dirty Laundry. It's really good. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. Well, I'll take a I'll take a look at it. He's getting kind of long in the tooth to play the part anymore, so I don't know if he'll ever get the chance. Yeah, I've noticed that there's a anytime they cast the Punisher, there's always a weird problem they run into. They either run into someone who looks like the Punisher but doesn't act like him, or they run into someone who acts like the Punisher but doesn't look like him. Uh, <laughs> it's this really strange compromise, and that's why I think you know I think Thomas Jane did the best part. I think visually. He was like shorter than how I imagined the Punisher to look like, um, but he he has the heart and the spirit of him, I think, pretty well. Um, Ray Stevenson, on the other hand, Ray Stevenson looks Looked like the like Punisher, Punisher, but yeah. he just didn't have it. You no, know? <laughs> he did not. He came across kind of a a, a goof. <laughs> yeah, kind of like I'm a. This, let's just call him. He was the stupid Punisher. Yeah, <laughs> and um, this other guy, Jane uh, uh, John Bernthal. He he looks like a, a John Romita Jr. drawing come to life, um, right. but the way they characterize him in the series is like with severe PTSD. And I, I don't know if you agree with this or not, Chuck. I don't really think that the Punisher has PTSD. I think that he's very aware of his sociopathy, mm-hmm. and he just doesn't care. <laughs> well, I think that he sees things in black, black and, and white. white. Right. Yeah. Period. Yeah. We, well, you know, when I was working on The Punisher, Don Daly was my editor, and Don Daly had a drawer full of what was called the ultimate Punisher story. And it was all these writers wrote what they thought was the ultimate Punisher story, and it was always the same story, and it was always wrong. And in their <laughs> stories, you know, Frank Castle has like a come-to-Jesus moment when he realizes that everything he's been doing is wrong. No. He gives up being The Punisher. And we're like, you don't understand this character at all. He doesn't feel guilt. You know, he doesn't look at it the, the, the way, you know, other people look at life. He, that's what makes him special. Yeah, he looks, he's judge, jury, and executioner. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah, all for and, it. Know, and it goes with something Larry Hama told me about, you know, his experience in Vietnam was, he said that, you know, and a lot of guys in the military say the same thing. It all depends on who you were going in. 
you know, some guys it, it made worse, some guys it came out the same, and some guys it made better. You know, and then Frank Russell just came out the same guy as he went in. Yeah, I always think that a lot of people in Hollywood, they they write a character like Frank Castle the way that they stereotype people in the military. They think that if you're a hard vet, you come back and you're jaded and you have uh, psychological problems and things of that nature. And that's best, really just Oliver. It's all oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the the best the best Punisher stories, in my opinion, are the ones where Frank doesn't really second guess himself. He knows what he's doing. Uh, yeah. There's no psychologist that can really break him down because, in the end, he says, "No, I, I know what I'm doing. I kill bad guys," and that's really all yeah. it boils down to. There's no deep psychosis that's uh, underlying everything. There's a lot of talk amongst vets I hear coming back, and they and they have what they call post traumatic success disorder. <laughs> they, they actually came out a better person because of the trials that they went through. And yeah, they have the PTSD, but mm-hmm. they use it. Yeah. You know, to make themselves more situationally aware, more, you know, forward looking, all these other things, all the skills they learned in the military, they're using in private life, not looking at it as a disability. Which I you know, that's Frank Castle. He's very successful at what he does. He is very successful <laughs> at what he does. He's my he's my kind of hero. We were talking to our mutual friend um, Chuck uh, Richard Meyer, and you know he was a machine gunner uh, when he was in when he was a Marine, and uh, he always says that he he's always kind of despised that view that everyone who comes back from war has PTSD, and uh, whenever he gets accused of violence, he even says I. I was literally paid to do violence for a living, and I got away from it just fine. And, you know, you, no indications of it as far as I can see uh, from what he's talked about. It's not one of those things that he hides from or shies away from. Um, and I, I think that if there were – the irony about it is that if there were more characterizations like that of, you know, people who come back from war who are very well-adjusted people, um, I, I think that that would actually be a better boon for Hollywood than some of the depictions hey, that we have now. The left will never show a warrior for what they really are. Right. They just won't do that. They think that we all should be ashamed about what we did. Guess what? That's not the way most of us came back. Mm-mm. I mean, I worked at the VA for some time, and you know, uh, the people, especially World War II vets, I mean, they were the happiest, healthiest people I've ever encountered. And a lot of it, I think, boiled down to the psychology of how people were treated when they came back. I mean, obviously, like people who came back from the Vietnam War had a very different yep. experience. And it was all, in the end, based on um, how they were – the reception they received when they came back. Um, and a lot of times that is really the, the deciding factor, not necessarily what was done. I do think you're on to something because if you look at the movies that Hollywood has done in the last, say, 10 years and for the Iraq War, exact, you know, for a good portion. The ones that show, you know, like Redacted and movies like that, and they're trying to find out, you know, what really happened and all of that, those movies did squat. Mm-hmm. But you do American Sniper, you do, uh, you know, uh, The Ridge in, in Okinawa, things of that nature, where you show Americans being uh, what they were in World War II and even in Iraq, the American public accepts that and wants to see their heroes shown like that. Yeah, well, I, I think we're we're unique in the world. There's not too many countries where the military is as respected by the American public or by the public, general public, as it is in the United States. I mean, we love our soldiers, we love our cops, and that's uh, not something that you see everywhere in the world. And I think it's absolutely deserved because our military and our law enforcement they are special, very special and unique in the world. 
Yeah, they I mean, use... if, you're, if you're if you're if you ever go to war with a country, you better pray it's the United States, and you better pray it's American soldiers coming over the hill because not only are they going to treat you right, they're probably going to rebuild your country for you. There was a there was a great a great uh, movie, but it was based on a play called The Mouse That Roared. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they went to war with us so that we would rebuild them. The Duchy of Grand Fenwick. Yes. <laughs> great book. I mean, it really is a great book. It is. It's a terrific satire. You, right, did, well, you didn't write that one right, Chuck. <laughs> yeah. You've written everything else. <laughs> hey, what, do you, what are you working on right now? Uh, I, I just finished the seventh issue of an upcoming series called Hunter Ninja Bear, and, I, I, and it hasn't been announced, so I don't want to say anything more about it, but it's crazy. It's a crazy story. It's not even my story. Someone else hired me to basically turn their story into a comic, and uh, it's just a hell of a story. Are, are they doing, was it uh, the one that's uh, Viking Ninja something? I heard that Chris Pratt was going to be up for that, and they're going to bring that to the big screen. Yeah, I don't know about that one. Yeah, it looks, it looks really crazy. They somehow are able to infuse you with like three different people. And it's, I think it's going to be kind of cool. All right, I'm going to let you go. Thanks so much for giving us some time, Chuck. I don't want to keep you away from your writing. I know that you no, love, no you evidently like to write. Uh, welcome me back anytime. All right, thank you very much. We appreciate All right. you. All right, Chuck Dixon, that's the guy who brought us, the Punisher. we got to take a quick break. Let's do that. Tim Lim's here. Zach's here. I'm here. We're going to keep talking about some uh, different things going on on Netflix and Amazon. And don't tell me you don't watch it because I know you're lying to me. It's the Dave Ellswick Show. Don't forget about my good buddy R.D. over Sunny's Auto Salvage, your number one choice for recycled auto parts. He owns a salvage yard, but you don't have to worry. If he doesn't have it, you can't find it because he is hooked up by computer to thousands of other salvage yards. So whether it's a transmission or you're looking for, a, I don't know, a motor, uh, for a car. He can find it for you. He'll take the VIN number from your automobile and find the motor that fits right with it. Get get it put in by his uh, his own staff. They'll take good care of you and put it in and, and do a good job. You get yourself a one, two, or a three-year warranty like parts and labor and unlimited mileage. That's what I've got on my uh, Corolla and uh, for the motor on it. And I don't ever have to worry about that engine going bad. If we if it runs for another three years and then dies, no problem on me. I saved a lot of money. 982-7451 is the number to call. Sonny's Auto Salvage, your number one choice for recycled auto parts. That number again, 982-7451. Dr. Tim Lim, myself, and uh, Zach will be right back with you after the news. All right, back with you, Dave Ellswick Show. And uh, again, I you know I agree with what uh, Chuck Dixon was saying, and especially what you were saying, uh, uh, Tim, dealing with the way I think people who make a lot of the movies in Hollywood want to portray the American fighting man as being psychologically broken. Right. All right. Now, when Mel Gibson makes a movie, they're shown as strong. Individuals. They're not shown as weak individuals. Even when you look at Hacksaw Ridge, you know, you're talking about a, a guy who is a conscientious objector, all right? And you don't, they don't show him as being weak. You know, he's, he's heroic. He, he, he always does things most men don't even want to do if they got all the firepower they can have in their hands and, and do that. But Oliver Stone, 
he makes the American fighting men looks weak, like, oh, I'm going to just pull dead bodies on top of me so, you know, the, the Viet Cong won't bother me. I'm not saying that maybe somebody didn't do that. I'm sure somebody did that. But most of the men and women who fought in Vietnam fought honorably. Mm-hmm. All right? They, weren't, they were scared, but they fought. They did what was, was expected of them. Yeah, and you'll notice that as far as box office hits are concerned, I mean, two immediately come to mind. The one is the one that you just mentioned, Hacksaw Ridge. Hacksaw Ridge, what a great my, movie. My father has seen it three times within the last year because he loved it so much. Well, and, it's really, you know what? It's really a a movie that showed World War II was different than every other war we fought since, basically. Maybe Vietnam had some vestiges of World War II in it, but... And the war in the Pacific, especially, was just frickin' brutal. Yeah. If um, now I, I'm sure someone can, can contest me on this, but supposedly the Pacific theater, the combat was uh, like the <laughs> the European front on steroids. I mean, just in terms of the terrain that they were fighting in, you you think about that that deep jungle. Uh, lots of water around. Uh, there was a lot of stuff going on in the Pacific Theater. It doesn't get much attention because whenever we think of World War II, we think of the Nazis and we think of Hitler. Yep. We don't really think too think much of about Europe. We think of Europe, correct. So um, and on the Pacific side, you have those great tales like Hacksaw Ridge, which is based on a true story. And then you have Brutal. recently you have like American Sniper, which is also really good. Mm-hmm. Um, people loved it. And it was because not only was it, I think, a more accurate depiction on like how soldiers react and what they do, but um, they're able to heroically portray people without necessarily without necessarily uh, having to embellish too much. That you can tell a heroic story um, in a way that's still human, and um, that's something that we haven't had since like the days of like Audie Murphy. Yep. You know, do you know Audie Murphy? His um museum his house and all that it's on i-30 on the way to dallas mm-hmm. yeah i didn't know i get to get over there i want to go there and i watched a movie the other day. It's one of my all-time favorite world war ii movies and it's it's uh sergeant york yeah it's a great movie with gary cooper and uh that guy was something else mm-hmm. i mean number one he was he was a conscientious objector he wanted to be a conscientious objector but he uh he was able to to go over and, and, and fight because he figured that he was fighting for the people here in, in our country. He was protecting them. So he was, he was, it was a higher calling. But um, I want to get over, and it's just a little bit north of Nashville where his home was, and I want to get over there. There's, the state has a park uh, that was his farm. that is over, You can visit it, and they got the, the burial sites of he and his wife there. Did you know when he came back, because he was a Congressional Medal of Honor winner, uh, that the state gave him the land for his uh, his farm and uh, uh, gave him X amount, a few extra dollars to get started? Wow. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That's hometown a, you know, hero. Yeah. That's what he was. He was a hometown hero. That's a great – and if you've never seen the movie, see the movie. I mean, he, like, took out – 25 machine gun nests in one action, all right? 25 machine gun nests took 113 Germans prisoner and I think killed 35 enemy soldiers. Yeah. 
it was actually on an article ri- so because it was some time ago it was actually a recent article it was actually crack.com before they went liberal but they actually had an, an article and it was something along the lines of seven or ten war stories that can't you be, won't believe you won't believe they're too like even if you were to film a movie about it people would think you were crazy and that was one You're of making them. it up yeah did you did you do you know about Audie Murphy? Mm-hmm. You know about him standing on the tank? Yeah. And holding and he it's so funny cuz he gave interviews about that later and he said I thought everybody was behind me and they were <laughs> a lot further behind me than I wanted them to be. Yeah. You know, that was pretty funny. <laughs> it's pretty funny. You just do what you got to do. Mm-hmm. You know? And a lot of people do things they don't think about it. They just in the moment do it. Yeah. And they ended up saving a lot of people's lives because they they did it that way. But I I liked Hacksaw Ridge just because it was honest in its portrayal of what the fighting was like in the Pacific. Uh, I I learned a lot. I was big aficionado of of uh, the European theater because my dad fought with Patton mm-hmm. and uh, he was in the Battle of the Bulge and and whatnot. And so I read up everything I could on General Patton and and all of that, and and got to know a lot of stuff about it. But then when I was in the Air Force, I got stationed on Guam. Guam is right out there uh, as one of the island-hopping campaign during World War II. And it's such a weird kind of place because when you're out uh, of the jungle, or the boonies as they call it, there's it's beautiful. I mean, uh, unless it's the, the rainy season, the monsoon season, Every day is like 82 degrees with a very nice Pacific uh, breeze blowing across the island, and it's absolutely gorgeous. Mm -hmm. Uh, But uh, you go into the jungle, you walk in three feet, it feels suddenly, it feels like it's 105 degrees with 100% humidity, and then you look around and that bamboo is as big as round, you know, eight foot around, and uh, you can't see far in front of you, more than your hand in front of you, and you think about that the Japanese had three years to dig in there and just wait for you to show up. Right. Whew. And they've had the experience. They've had the time to prepare. <laughs> yeah, and they're ready for you. They're, yeah. they're, they're all dug in, and it took forever to dig them out. And because they – the one thing that we got the similarity between the uh, you know fighting uh, the jihadists and fighting the Japanese is they both believed they got their reward after they died. Right. And right now it's the first time we've fought any enemy that felt that way other than the Japanese with the Bushida Code mm-hmm. because you were a coward if you didn't fight to the end. I was over on uh, on Guam when they found a guy from World War Two Who had been in the jungle thinking. Yeah, for 30-something years. Yeah. You know, and he was living in a hole in the ground, it's literally. He's lived in a hole in the ground, and he, he, he fed himself all that time by dumpster diving, mm-hmm. you know, off of the Air Force Base. Or he never went down to Big Navy. That was 30 miles down the road. You're not going to just take off walking 30 miles. But uh, he was eating garbage and stuff. And if you don't think that that culture still doesn't have that kind of Bushido viewpoint, I mean, it might be different now. I'm talking back in 75. Uh, when he showed up back home, the uh, the president or the prime minister, prime minister or yeah. whatever met him at the bottom of the steps that they push up to the plane with a samurai sword. Mm-hmm. 
There's a little bit of that still there, all right? I'm just saying. I'm not I'm not saying that they're our enemy or anything like that. I'm just saying that's part of their culture. Yeah. It's an, it's a lot of it's based on honor and a lot of it's based yeah. on tradition. And the interesting thing about that case too was they had known that there were several Japanese soldiers still entrenched in the jungle. So what they did was at years after World War II, they would do airdrops of pamphlets saying the war is over. So if you're in the jungle, come out. And they interviewed guys like him, and they said, we seriously thought it was a ruse, that yeah, it was just yeah, the yeah. allies just trying to lure us out because there's no way. There's no way that we would have lost. And even if we did, there's no way the enemy would be so benevolent to just let us walk out. That is why before we dropped you know, the, bomb. the bombs yeah. on Hiroshima and Nagasaki, they didn't believe those leaflets. Mm-mm. They just thought they were, were pulling some kind of joke kind of thing, you know, make them – because they knew that we understood that they would not surrender. Yeah. And so they were waiting for us to make a full frontal assault on them. They just thought wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody had ever seen an atomic weapon. I I always get a, a big, I don't get a kick out of it. It pisses me off, to be honest with you. Uh, the lefties out there that say, you know, we're the only country that have ever used atomic weapons. Yeah, and we're the only ones that didn't continue using them. And take over the world now, aren't, aren't we? Yeah, we are. And, I mean, it's a it's a grander topic, but you hear it all the time where it was like, well, it was racist to drop the bomb on the Japanese. And I'll just say for, um, you know, uh, people who are listening right now and can't see on, on video, I mean, I'm, I'm Asian. And even though that doesn't give much credence, um, my background is obviously culturally coming from people who grew up in the Pacific, right. the mentality. The... If you look historically at the mentality of the Japanese, these are people who thought that their leader, Hirohito, was divine in they nature. They thought he was God. They thought he was God. And they also, and because of that, because of their stringent code of honor, what they had to do when they dropped the bomb was it was not just trying to defeat the enemy. There was this acknowledgement that you have to basically start from scratch. Uh, there is no way that um, you can take small steps to. T- take this culture back on a correct course. You basically mm-hmm. had to show a f- have a, f- a show of force to show them that there there is no there is no god in man that is in control of the Japanese army, right. and that your invulnerability is not there, and that we can do this to you. We will do this, uh, and you're just going to have to start your entire culture from square one, um, completely from the beginning. Whereas the mentality was because the Europeans were so close to us culturally. You can you can rehabilitate them. Yeah. You can you can win over them. You can win hearts and minds. The Germans who were crazy enough would commit suicide anyway. Um, but that's really what that boiled down to. But it is interesting. I mean, I don't like it when people distill it to just well, they, we were racist. That's why we did it. No, no, <laughs> that's not why no. we did it. Well, here's the other thing. Everybody thinks the atomic weapons were the big ones. That wasn't the case. Curtis Lemay, if he were still alive today, will tell you. He burned more people alive than he killed them with radiation. Mm-hmm. I mean, he did the Tokyo uh, fire raids for over a year. He burned almost all of Tokyo to the ground because what they were doing is that they, they of course, do, you do what you do in war. You destroy the industry so they can't make more weaponry. And uh, the Japanese were industrious and they were people that were smart. And so they, they took their work home with them. Mm-hmm. And they they build all the little parts of a like a plane engine, and then go somewhere and put it all together. But they did all that work at home, 
and they were trying to figure out how you attack that big of an area, and it was one of his uh, his captains, I believe, that said, well, sir, the, the houses are made of paper and wood, and that's when they started dropping the incendiaries. Yeah. I mean, they, they go at night and just dump tons of that on them and burn them alive. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a terrible thing to say, but you know what? When you're fighting a world war, you tend to get a little uncivilized along the way. Well, and you're marching, you're you're matching a form of uh, efficiency and barbarism with it in kind. And the other thing that really set Imperial Japan apart from Nazi Germany was the level of tenacity that they had. Yeah. The idea that they would not stop fighting. I mean, you're talking about people who, not only did you have kamikaze pilots, but these were people who were literally bolted into the plane. That's right. They were not going to be leaving that alive. Because, I mean, uh, we've all kind of entertained this notion like, well, if I were in there, I mean, right before I'd crash, I would, you know. Dive out. Dive out. Nah, you couldn't. You you do that. (laughs) You were Mm -hmm. in it. uh, And they believed it uh, completely, seriously. So how in the world are you going to persuade people like that? that, hey, um, you know, you should be more civilized. You should not be as barbaric. You can't. I, mean, I, f- I forget how many Japanese were on Iwo Jima. I, I was lucky enough that I got to go to Saipan and Iwo and all those those islands that where the island hopping campaigns were at. There were tens of thousands. It seems to, in my mind it's like 27,000 Japanese. Do you know how many they took off that island? Less than 300. Oh, wow. They killed all the rest of them. Wow. And they weren't killing themselves. You had to go in and dig them out and kill them, Mm -hmm. just the way it was. That's why flamethrowers became so popular in the Pacific. And you say, well, they burned them. No, they'd they'd flame that cave, and it would suck all the oxygen out. Mm -hmm. They literally suffocated is what happened. All right, let's take a break. We'll come back. We'll talk about something more pleasant. pleasant. (laughs) Yeah, we'll do that. All right, we'll be back with more here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, we got six minutes until the top of the hour here on the Dave Ellswick Show. I want you to talk about what you were just saying about when you go to Asia, the rampant racism over there. <laughs> amongst, I'm just saying among the Asian people, you're talking, look, when you say Asian, you're talking about five or six distinct different cultures. Right, and I'm going to try and keep this. If as- not even more cultures. <laughs> It's going to be as clean as possible, but I think in the most academic way I can state it, uh, we before the break, we were talking about the conflict in the Pacific theater with the atrocities that Japan committed, for Yo. example. So in Asia, there, are, there is a lot of animosity towards the Japanese, especially by the countries that were fighting against them. So if you're thinking okay, well, about— Let's talk about that. South Korea. It's just been recently that the Japanese government said, yeah— we took a lot of South Korean women and used them as sex slaves. Right. And um, there's that really famous book, uh, if you have the stomach for it, you know, The Rape of Nanking. Yes. Uh, so over in, in the Asian countries, if you want to talk about, like, racism, just a topic of racism and how we define it, <laughs> uh, I was telling Dave during the break that it is very different. Um, whenever I hear people complaining about it here, we're normally using it in the context of political correctness. We're typically not using it in the sense of prejudicial behave, uh, behavior or attitudes. And over in a lot of places in Asia, they definitely draw lines. I mean, you'll meet a lot of the Chinese and the, and the Filipinos who don't like the Japanese nope. because of things that 
the Japanese did to they have to not them. forgotten. They did not forget it, and so and they're a lot more open about it. I mean, they'll tell you flat out, and it's just a mutual disagreement. I mean, they just don't like you, uh, and they get used to it. So it's not like there's any violence or persecutions or anything of that nature. It's just that society societal ways of looking at different cultures is present and that's just a way of life that's just the attitudes that um these people have it's kind of like us so if you go to japan for example you can move to japan and you can be from america and you can be white or black or hispanic and you can live there but you will never ever be japanese no you won't to the japanese you're always gaijin you're always outsider um and that means that you actually don't have the same rights as the japanese do but it is very interesting because you'll notice that Countries like Japan, for example, uh, what's their terrorism rate? Zero. Why is that? Well, they have very strict rules on mosques. They have very strict rules of who can move to their country. Uh, and they have very strict rules of uh, certain religious practices that you can have. Now, the funny thing is that like the left-wing media, they ignore that because it, it is contrary to the narrative that, correct. that we are exceptional in our racism. <laughs> Whereas in Japan, ironically, whether you call it racism or just uh, nationalism, they they put their foot down and they say these are things that are not going to happen. Take Poland, for example. How many terrorist attacks in the last five years? Zero. The only country uh, in that block of Europe that has not had any incidences. Why? Look at their immigration policies. Look who they let into their country. So there's a lot of interesting dialogue that can take place with regards to how we, and by we, I mean like the left, how they view racism, if they're viewing it in terms of the purity of the definition or by what they decided to say in terms of political correctness versus Mm -hmm. the actual uh, either practice of it or um, taking it to a a more extreme setting. Uh, For example, what a lot of people in Asia do. And um, again, I, I think that as Americans, we can sort of empathize with that in terms of what things have happened in the past, but it is interesting to see it through another cultural lens. Well, it's why I get irritated when people want to judge people about how they are, what they did 40, 50 years ago, when things were totally different than what they are now. You can't judge people of how they did back 50 years ago when they were living 50 years ago because you think differently about them now, 50 years in the future. Yeah, context is very uh, necessary. Yeah, absolutely. We'll come back. We'll talk more about it. It's a great to- uh, topic to talk about here on the Dave Ellswick Show. A break with the news, and then we'll be back with you. All right, I got to show uh, Tim Lim my, my wallpaper on my phone. Check it out, Tim. You're going to love this. I got to open it up so you can see it. Uh oh. Can you see it in the background? Yeah, I can. So it's fly the W. Yeah, fly the W. <laughs> yeah, we're talking a little bit Cubs there, buddy. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> look, at, look at Zach. He's just shaking his head. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you guys lost last night. You know that? And we won. You know what that means? You're now almost six games behind us. Cubs are 20 games over 500. Best record in the National League. Everybody, you know, poo-poos the Central Division. I think we got like Three of the best uh, teams in the National League in the Central Division. You got the Brewers. They've, I mean, they just keep lying to themselves. They will not win. And then St. Louis. St. Louis may get on, continue on a roll. You never know. It works for them. They're, they're able to do that at times. I'm interested in watching the Pirate game tonight because um, 
what's his name? Uh, the guy that they got from Texas, the pitcher, lefty, is pitching tonight. I want to see if he pitches another one hitter tonight. He's been he's been pitching lights out. You know what his ERA is? One. <laughs> 1.0 since he's become a cub. Gotta love that. Absolutely. I'm not bar I'm I'm not gonna bore you, Tim. I don't watch baseball. I know. <laughs> That's why I said I don't wanna bar I don't wanna bore you, but I do. I'm a huge baseball fan. I played baseball till I was twenty four years old. Oh wow. You know, so that's something that I just love. And you can watch the game. It's fun watching MLB dot com and they're letting in the, the people who are just becoming fans about how the catcher gets signals and all of that kind of stuff. It's a lot of fun watching that. Yeah, see, if he gets three down and then touches his left leg and he really wants him to, instead of throwing a three, he wants him to throw a two. You know, it's pretty cool. I was at Petco Park in San Diego three years ago. That's actually a nice, looks like a nice ball field. It, it is, and it was very kind. I was with a company, and they actually paid for box seats. For, oh, wow. Got you close to the field. <laughs> yeah. I fell asleep. <laughs> oh, did you really? Yeah. Uh, that was my first time watching a, a ball game live, and I don't know, just something about baseball. Only place that I have heard <laughs> that you can go to a baseball game and get sushi. Really? Yeah, it's in uh-huh. Petco. They yeah. serve they serve uh, sushi. They didn't offer it. the hot dogs were good though. Oh, baseball and hot dogs. I'm just telling you, they go together. Yeah. In Chicago, I like going back just so I can get a uh, a fr- get a Frank. I'm trying to think uh, the name of the company that makes them because you can't Na- get them here. It's not Nathan's. No, that's New York. Oh, uh, somebody from up north, help me out here. That lives in Chicago. What uh, what's the name of the Frank up there that does? that they make the Chicago hot dogs out of. Help me out here. Because when you get a Chicago hot dog, you got to get it with the uh, the bun, with the, the black seeds, and yeah. the celery, and the, and the pepper, and all that. Somebody's going to call. 823-0965. Um, see, I, I've got ballpark stuck in my head right now. And a ballpark Frank is like eating dog pate compared to eating one of these. Yeah. Vienna, Vienna Frank. Vienna, okay. That's it. Can't get Viennas hardly anywhere else. I mean, I can order them frozen and sent to me, but that's the only way I can get them. Mm-hmm. I love Vienna Franks are good. Excellent hot dogs. Yeah, when I was in, let's see, I've only been to Chicago once, and that was about six or seven years ago. Yeah. I ate, I literally ate a hot dog every day. It's good. Was there. Yeah. They're it's good, man. They, made, they, do, they do it seriously. What, did you go over for some steak at the, the chop shop? I did not. Oh, but Dude, I will tell you gotta make it there. what I did do, what, and this is kind of a ritual, uh, we got Giordano's Pizza, yep. the deep dish. Yep. So anyone listening who wants a good taste of Chicago-style pizza, the deep dish pizza where one slice is like a slice of lasagna, you can go to Chicago and there's locations around there, but if you're ever in Orlando, mm-hmm. um, long story short, the guy who runs Giordano's, he either loved Disney World so much or he was very smart that he opened <laughs> up two Giordano's pizzas north and south of Disney World. Ooh. So even if you're on property and you want a taste of Chicago-style pizza, there's a Giordano's right there, two of them, that you can order pizza from, and they'll deliver to your hotel, too. Wow. So every year we, we go to Orlando, I, I always get Giordano's. Now, everybody's going to be stunned by this, but I do not like deep dish. Do you not? Are you a thin no, crust? I'm a thin crust guy. Uh, do you have a place to recommend recommend in, like, New York? No, I, I just eat at any of the corner... 
pizzerias, <laughs> which is just about any place, you know. Uh, I mean, I like it when you fold it in half and the and the, the grease runs down your arm. I mean, mm-hmm. I really like pepperoni pizza like that. I mean, it's good. It's really good. Then, Chris, um, I like thin crust. I'll even go as far to say that I like cracker crust. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, I like that too. I like a crunch mm-hmm. with the with with the crust. In fact, next week uh, the the Geek Squad's coming on next week, and we'll get them on at about four o'clock. But I'll have Cat Robinson from three to four, and we're going to talk about the whole thing going on with uh, pizza. Okay, know, because you can get good pizza in Arkansas. I well. believe it. Yeah, There's some good pizza around here. By the way, how how is your uh, uh, Indiegogo? Going. Good. So <laughs> we. That sounds so weird. How's your Indiegogo going? <laughs> so for people listening, uh, Chuck Dixon, myself, and Brett R. Smith, and Dave Dorman, we are running Trump Space Force on Indiegogo. Uh, it is a comic book written by Chuck Dixon and illustrated by me, colored by Brett Smith. Uh, as of today, we got a big endorsement from the Gateway Pundit. So oh, really? They wrote an article about us this morning. Cool. And so we uh, we're pretty sure we're going to hit 50k by Sunday. All right. We're already a little bit north of 58, 48, uh, five. Uh-huh. So. Uh, I think we were able to earn three thousand in less than six hours just from their endorsement alone. Yeah, to help you. But uh, you know, Donald Trump Jr. has retweeted us. Sebastian Gorka is on board. Oh, if anyone's listening, I'll tell you what I uh, can told. You, can you tell them about this? Yeah, you, yeah, absolutely. I'm sure there's somebody out there that would get a kick out of sitting down and having dinner. Yes. with some of the biggest names in conservatism. Right. So we just released it today because we uh, we had talks and they finally went through, but. Our highest tier, it's a $25,000 tier, and here's all that's in it. Listen up, Zach. I know that you got this kind of money to splurge, so listen. We will fly you out to Trump International Hotel in Washington, D.C. to have dinner with Sebastian Gorka, Terry Shepard, Chuck Dixon, me, Brett R. Smith, and Dave Dorman. So that includes your airfare, your accommodations, and your food. Uh, libations, wow. cigars, the whole shebang, and we'll party it up. And we might have some surprise guests who I can't really say over the air, but it'll be a lot of fun. So if there's anyone out there, uh, a donor or someone who's very interested in having dinner with Sebastian Gorka, it's only limit. It's only for one person. You can bring a friend if you want. Uh, I don't think we're going to be opposed to that, but this guarantees you one paid for hotel room, uh, a flight, and your food as okay, well. Okay, so listen, if you just heard that and you want to go. You got to take me with you. There you go. Because you would never have known about it unless I had Tim on. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that's something that Brett and I have been talking about. We think that's the best thing. Is look, if you're you have on that Facebook money. Live, people are hearing this all over the country. Yeah. Right? Uh-huh. So somebody out there may just say, "Yeah, you know, I was watching Dave Ellswick's show." Yeah, absolutely. That'd and be cool. I think it'd be a lot of fun. You know, we'll pay. Oh, we'll pay for one person, but Gork if you want to bring a friend, things, that would be great. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I should see if Hannity would come over. Well, the thing is this, Sebastian has a lot of friends. No, I and know so he does. I'm sure that he might find one or two people or three who might want to join. And we've had a lot of, uh, like I said, support um, from other people like uh, Jack Posobiec. He's a reporter for One America News. Mm-hmm. He lives a few miles away. So I'm pretty sure that we'll call him and tell him to hang out with us too. Actually, they do a thing. I think it's normally every Tuesday or Thursday. They have like what they call like the MAGA meet and greet over at Trump International. So it would be nice if we could time it to get some of those uh, reporters and Fox News people to show up. That'd be a lot of fun. Yeah. You have a good time. Yeah. That sounds like fun. It really does. By the way, 
I think it was on, was it on Instagram today? I saw a post, I think it was from you, I'm not sure, mm-hmm. of the uh, front cover of uh, the uh, uh, Black Hops. Yeah, that's me. Was that, did, did you do the cover? No, it's Dave Dorman. Oh, man, that's good. <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah, that is, it's kind of like the mushroom cloud with yeah, the rabbit. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, With the with Apache the, holocaust. You can barely make out the rabbit head coming out of the right. mushroom cloud. Yeah, that was very cool. Yeah, thanks. And, you know, the the, the premise of the book is ridiculous, uh, but it's actually a serious story. It's about um, the untold story of the U.S. government's secret ops rabbit that they use for infiltration. And because I, I knew it would sound ridiculous and we had to pitch it i we made sure to hire dave dorman to paint those covers because you know for um people who aren't aware of him he painted all those star wars covers in the 90s i mean this guy has a very nice uh, almost photorealistic style of painting like how they used to do movie posters in the day yeah. so we had to get him on board to do it but we're happy because that book comes out next wednesday and it looks very very cool thanks and it has it might have a surprise appearance from one of the bright wisers in it too. Oh, so, really? Yeah, I'll have How to bring you. A, I'll have to bring you a copy next week. Yeah, next Friday. Yeah, yeah, you'll be here. I it's will always be. having you. Yeah, I love having you and, and Mitch. I tried to get Mitch to come on today, but he just said he's buried in work. And he's I a thought, busy man. Well, well, with all the money that they raised. I, how many of those portraits has he had to do? <laughs> I'm just saying. I bet you he had to do over a thousand of those things. Yeah, and that's the reason why I didn't do them. Was I'm I'm too focused on doing the pages. The last thing I want to do is work on. He's going <laughs> to walk around with arthritis in his hand mm-hmm. from doing all of those. Yeah, and I'll have to ask him for some advice. I don't have arthritis, but I have that. I was telling my wife about. It. She knew exactly what I was talking about, but it's basically the piece of muscle that con- that that connects like my chest to my deltoid right here. Uh-huh. It's not killing me, but it's like this kind of sharpness that's in it. And so today, luckily, I've only done about three hours of work because I just said I'm just going to take a uh, night break. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Hey, I got some pills that I can give to you that really screw you up. <laughs> I uh, I took one of them. <laughs> <laughs> and I came and did my show the next the next day, and the first two hours of my show, I don't even remember what I was talking about. But you felt you know, good. Oh, <laughs> I everybody people thought one of two things: either I was drunk. Were, were you there when that happened, Zach? Okay, you weren't here. It was it, yeah. It was Russ was on on the board, or I was having a stroke. Was it after you were at your tooth stuff? This stuff happening with your no, teeth? No, I had I pulled a muscle in my back. In oh, fact, okay. I think I may have torn a, a tore a muscle, and it's finally cleared up, and I'm back in the gym again. But I've got to tell you what, my wife had some. It's called Bacolin or something like that. <laughs> That's what the thing is, and she had a bad back, and she still had a couple of those things. So I thought, what the hell, you know? So I took one because my back was killing me. Mm-hmm. I, it'd wake me up in the middle of the night because I'd be turning or whatever, and I get these sharp pains and uh went to sleep and i mean i went to sleep and i woke up in the morning and i i had a hangover from it i mean i couldn't hardly walk straight wow i had uh dave my wife brought me in i didn't I didn't drive and i got ready to go on the air and i was talking like you know how you had at one time it used to be you had you had 45 rpm records mm-hmm. okay i felt i was like a 16 and a third disc on there <laughs> i was talking really slow uh-huh. i mean really slow 
really low, slurring my words. And uh, Russ looked at me during a break. He says, dude, are you all right? <laughs> and I was like, I, I, I went to the ball game last night. I think I'm just tired from it. He says, dude, I did four ball games this week. And it, 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 I didn't act like this, uh-huh. you know. But uh, Elizabeth thought I, she's trying to call him thinking that I'm having a stroke. And it was crazy. My gosh. And about the four o'clock hour, it all wore off finally. And then I was fine. But man, that pill will kick your butt i don't tell you i don't remember what it was but when i had my wisdom teeth extracted i was so scared because one i don't like going to the dentist and two i never actually had any surgery done before no and so luckily my oral surgeon in um, pine bluff was really good i don't know what they used to anesthetize me but I was like on a cloud for two or three days afterwards. I didn't have to take any pain medication. Whatever they put me under to begin with had a long-lasting effect, and uh, it was great. So I joke. That in, They'll make it illegal. <laughs> probably. <laughs> but I, I joked about if I had to do it again and it was going to be that same experience, I probably would have because, honestly, it was great. No dry socket. Ooh, uh, that's every, good. Yeah, everything was fine. Within Within eight days, I was, you know, chewing solid food again and no pain or anything like that let me tell you my worst dental story okay it was when i was working in lexington kentucky and i had to have a um extraction done of a one of my uh molars and they took it out and i got a dry socket oh no so it's hurt of course and i go in to, to get it fixed and you know that they take this gauze strip and they put some kind of stuff on it, and they stick it into the, the socket. The lady thought that the doctor had already numbed my uh, my gum. Guess what? He thought she was going to do it and then put in the th- I sat in that chair while that woman put that into my socket without any kind of numbing at all. I'm just holding on to the arms of the chair, trying to keep from screaming. And it gets done, and the doctor walks in, and he goes, and he looks in my mouth. He goes, okay. So he says, that's good. It looks really good. And I go, damn, that hurt. And he says, what do you mean it hurt? And I said, it hurt. She came in and put it in, and it hurt. And he looks at me. He goes, yeah, she numbed it up. And I go, no. He said, what? <laughs> and I said, No. And he says, she didn't She didn't give any shot. I said, no, she thought, I guess you did it. And anyway, it was, that was the worst experience that I have ever had in the dental chair. He should be glad you didn't punch him. Yeah, he is pretty, well, I, she's not the one who did it. I should have punched him after she did it. <laughs> that, that hurt, man. That That was unbelievably painful. I mean, it really, I have a high pain threshold. I, I, mean, I can I, tell. I really do. But still, that just about kicked me over the top, to be honest with you. I mean, ooh, that was not good. Not good at all. All right, got to get a break in. I'll quit uh, bragging about how I can. How macho you are. I can, yeah, man. Women, you don't know. Anyway, bottom line. Uh, don't forget about what's going on over at Horton's Orthotics and Prosthetics. You know, I hope that people understand that i say about a third of a lot of the stuff that i say tongue in cheek 
I am not serious at all at what I'm talking about. And I'm not talking about how macho I am. I don't feel that way at all. Anyway, Horton's Orthotics and Prosthetics redoing their original location that's right off 12th Street in Little Rock. Uh, They began their business back in the 80s. The house that they put their business in originally was built in the late 1800s. So it already had a lot of years on it. And so here we are in the 21st century, and uh, now they're they're um, demoing a good portion of that house, putting in a brand new uh, foundation and all, and they're making it a state-of-the-art facility with the latest technology for prosthetics and orthotics. And uh, they should be getting pretty close. I need to drive down over there uh, next week and take a look at how far they've gotten on it. They're putting in a 3D printer. Uh, well, it's already there. They're just waiting for the necessary uh, material that will be used in that 3D printer to print orthotics and prosthetics. Yeah, I want you to just think about that for a moment. They'll be able to take a device that's hooked directly to a computer, run it over, you know, I don't know of a better word than stump, uh, you know, and it will actually put into the computer exactly what that looks like and then they will print a prosthetic that will fit you perfectly no more making molds and all of that kind of stuff they are going to be able to do it 100 percent identical which means it's going to fit you in ways that these have never fit you before and they do that because they got a great patient relationship they love their patients they want you to reach your mobility that you want to uh, reach uh, with your prosthetic and your orthotics. Remember, they have six locations with the new updated facility here in Little Rock. There's also North Little Rock, Bryant, Conway, Fort Smith, and Searcy. It's Horton's Orthotics and Prosthetics providing a lifetime of support. All right, back with you. We've got news coming your your way. Hold on a second. I'm, I'm trying to look here and... Expert analysis analyzes Chris Watts' behavior. Anyway, I have no idea. They had something. They 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 drugged me in with a story about Kavanaugh, and then there's something there that I have no idea what they're even talking about. Brett Kavanaugh. Yeah, oh. yeah, Supreme Court nominee. All right, I got to get to the news. We'll come back and talk further in a moment. Well, I'm saying be right with you. There's pizza going on here. I got to get this to my wife. <laughs> Pizza? Yeah, yeah. Marco's Pizza just sent me a uh, a deal. You order a pizza, and I got to use the code SAVE30. I'm, I'm reading this out loud. You can do the same thing. If you go to marcos.com and order a pizza, where it says code, put SAVE30, and you'll get 30% off of your online order. What kind of pizza are you ordering? Uh, the, the Probably... Our typical uh-huh. is an extra large yeah. pepperoni, mm-hmm. mushroom, onion, uh. extra uh. cheese. You know what's really weird? So did you just get that text now? Just now, yeah. I got one from Papa John's. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think they're trying to compete. I will never buy another Papa John's pizza until they hire the dude back that's been the face of Papa John's forever. Well, I'll tell really? you what's funny about that is – um, I didn't know what happened to him, and recently, like within the last four weeks, I just started getting 
coupons every other day for Papa John's. That's the reason they're doing That's it. That's the reason why they're doing it. So now they're ask, they're telling me free 10-inch cheese sticks. Yeah. <laughs> send them send them a, a text back. Say, keep your, keep your specials. Uh, bring back unless John. Unless you bring back John. Yeah. Yeah, because all he did was read something somebody else said, and it was to say, you, you don't do that anymore. Right. And they made it sound like he was a racist and he wasn't he isn't it's not and i i won't support louisville anymore i used to you know i'm a indiana basketball guy but still i like when denny crumb and stuff had had uh of course a uh, louisville i was a louisville fan mm-hmm. no more cardinals can go stick it as far as i'm concerned you, you heard you know that they pulled down papa john's off their stadium yeah i saw that this the, you people that are on the left, you guys are just idiots. Well, it's like MasterCard. You heard what happened with Richard Spencer. Or not Richard Spencer. Robert Spencer yesterday. No. So Robert Spencer, he runs Jihad Watch. Oh, yeah. I know that. His Patreon, he got pulled uh, because of pressure from MasterCard that if they didn't drop uh, Robert Spencer, that uh, you know they would have – there would be some ramifications. So uh, they Patreon dropped Robert Spencer yesterday. <sighs> It's crazy. I mean, these are all things like we were talking about it last week with Alex Jones. Um, I hate to yeah. say it, but there's a lot of these cases that I feel will or should go to the Supreme Court because we're entering a territory that has not it was not conceived of uh, yeah, you're in right. prior generations. And so because there is what appears to be a lot of abuses happening on uh, when it comes to big tech and freedom of speech and pressure being put on. I think that can go both ways. I'm completely for voting with your wallet. But whenever it comes to deplatforming someone simply because you don't agree with their ideology, I think there's a lot of battleground to be had there and a lot of opinions. Well, there's a there's an interesting argument that Google and Facebook and whatever, uh, they're not just private companies. Correct. They are very much like uh, your electric company or your water company or anything like that. And uh, I think it, I'm, I agree with you, it's going to end up in the Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. We had a long discussion about that uh, on Monday Yeah, uh, with Robert uh, Steinbach. Because it's gotten to the point where they're less like um, media, private media, and more like utilities. Yeah, they are utilities. Yeah. That's, that's what they are. And they don't – and what's the other thing that they say? Social media. Right. All right. Emphasis on the media. That's correct. Absolutely. So it's going to be interesting to see how that all comes out. I think they may have bit off something they didn't want to get a hold of Mm -hmm. because now uh, they may be forced to make some really draconian reconsiderations of their own thoughts. Yeah. Or at least we get the semantics straight. Yeah. Which I think would would be good. I mean... Uh, the FCC kind of going after, going after him as well about his pirate radio station and all that. You mm-hmm. know where his radio station is in Austin, Texas. Yeah, of all places, and that's where he's from. I mean, yeah. that's where he's he's living right now. How how in the heck did he end up the way he is in Austin, <laughs> Texas? Well, there's a lot of them that I I have a lot of friends who live in Austin, and that's actually something I've never broached. Like of all the places to live in Why Texas, would you want to live in that leftist liberal bastion you know zit yeah <laughs> you know seriously i mean it's it's un- unbelievable i mean i used 
there's a lot of good things that came musically i'd go down there anytime go see and listen to some of the great musicians that play down there although that has been compromised some it's not like it used to be when the mm-hmm. fabulous thunderbirds were there and all the rest of them it's not as cool as that anymore now you got to put up with alamo you know cinemas and all that stuff yeah and they're not even as i'm going to tell you what alamo cinema you hear so much about on the internet and stuff it's not even half as good as what uh, matt's done mm-hmm. with riverdale the only thing that they do that matt doesn't do is they have a kitchen where they can whip up like lasagna or something like that. Yeah. But it's sitting back there on a counter under a heat lamp. Now there is, just letting you know. There is one thing that Alamo Drafthouse does do that I wish that theaters would do nationwide, and I love this. They have a zero-tolerance talking and texting policy. Oh, that's good. They, they throw you out. They huh? will, and they have a camera set up so they can see everything that you're doing. And once they see that light come up that you're you're texting, you're out. Uh, if you're talking during the theater, you have a call button that's on your seat, and all you have to do is press it, and you, you just tell them the guy next to me is talking, and they'll yeah. they'll kick you out. In fact, before they have their movies, they have a promo reel, and it's nothing but angry customers who call. But you just shut up. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and we like it because, I mean, to be honest, one of the things that have been deterring us from going to more movies is, honestly, it's not only the rudeness, but there has not been a single movie that I've been to in the last year where the guy next to me wasn't talking, texting, or doing some something taking me out of the movie completely. Happened dr- during Jurassic World. I mean, uh, two seats down from me were just teenagers who were just on their phone yeah, yeah, the whole time. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, by the way, did you know here in a couple of weeks they're bringing Jurassic Park, the original, to back the, to the theaters? Is it going to be in the theaters? Is it going to be downtown at the park? No, they're going to be in the theaters. Huh? It was a okay. big story. They're re-releasing it. For cool. everybody to see the original so that you'll understand the brontosaurus being consumed in the flames of the other movie and why pe- some people are going oh i know i hated that scene yeah. that was it was a it was that was really well done yeah that elicited emotion even for me sure did and and i'm one of the most hard-hearted bastards in the world <laughs> <'Cause>, <laughs> whatever i've been told that a giant teddy bear yeah that's what i've been told but it's anybody who said that has no idea who I am. <laughs> they have not listened to this show long enough. All right, let's get our final break in real quick, and then we've got another about 15 minutes we can talk with Tim. Okay. Uh, did you know there are 567 different ways to claim your Social Security benefits, 2,728 rules in the Social Security Handbook, and to make matters worse, Social Security Administration is actually forbidden to offer you any personalized advice, so you're on your own. Probably there's make sure that there's no wonder why as much as $10 billion in benefits go unclaimed every year. Uh, learn how you could wring every nickel out of your Social Security benefits in the up-to-date 2018 Guide to Social Security. It's from David Lucas, host of the David Lucas Show here on 101.1 FM, The Answer. To get your free 2018 Guide to Social Security, be one of the first callers right now. Do it now at 501-653-6690. Don't leave tens of thousands of dollars on the table. Get back every nickel that's rightfully yours. You put the money into the system, you should be able to get the money, like they say, out of the system. So call 501-653-6690 or visit davidlucasfinancial.com. All right, we are back. Final segment for Friday this week until Monday. 
coming up on Monday, Conduit for Action to be up, and so will uh, Robert Steinbach. Do you know that Robert's going to be here in studio next Monday? Okay. He's back in uh, Central Arkansas. If you're free at 5 o'clock Monday, come on by. You want to talk to a guy that's really into free speech, that would be Robert Steinbach. I would like to meet him in person. He's actually the reason why you and I got connected yeah. was because I found his email through um, our the university uh, server. Uh-huh. And I knew that he'd been on your show, so I asked him, how do I reach Dave Elsewhere? Okay, so come on uh, come on over. I'm going to have cake. I'm welcoming him back. I mean, I've, I've known Robert for a long, long time, uh, seven or eight years now. And... Uh, you know, he's been gone here for about yeah. a year and a half. He's been had some family health issues that he's helping to take care of. Uh, he's going to be back in studio next week, and it's always much. It's just he's so good on the phone, but I'm going to tell you what. When you can get somebody to come in and sit in the studio, it's so much better because mm-hmm. you get eye contact and you don't walk over each other You know when you're talking and stuff, and it makes for a better show. So he'll be back with us. All right, who's calling? Somebody complaining? Somebody complain why I said Ellswick talking about? Oh, Terry? You know Terry Yamuchi? No, I don't. You don't know Terry? He's a great guy. He's he's the head over at uh, Children's and UAMS Infectious Diseases. Okay, cool. He's a very smart cat. He worked for CDC for a while and stuff. He's, you want to talk about scary stuff, get on and talk. <laughs> talk with him about how they can weaponize viruses. Woo! give you nightmares i'll just tell you he really really does and he i talked to him uh he was a doc a doctor i think here in this area was the first one to identify that uh, amoeba that you can get when you're swimming in a pond yeah it's the brain eating he goes and eats that eats your brain and he's just really a a smart cat Mm -hmm. i mean really really smart and he's comes on whenever we got to talk about flu shots or you're talking about like uh, zika and things of that nature i just call him and he comes over and sits down and talks about it smart guy really smart (laughs) he just is he was he was working i think he was told me he was working on um what was it um it's a kid's disease uh not i want to say small park pox and that's not what it is chicken pox and uh, we're going to use use chickenpox as a deliverer of destroying some kind of other disease. Because hmm. they've been doing that. The one that they're really working on right now is measles. Yeah, I believe it. As a way of delivering a virus into a virus. Mm-hmm. It's kind of interesting. We were talking about this. we got a few minutes. We can talk about this. You know, so many people say, I remember the good old days, you know. And I'm going to be honest with you, I like living today because, you know, culturally, okay, I can understand where people feel like we've lost our way, and I agree we have. But, man, does everybody realize that they live like King David did back in biblical times and you're just a middle-class schmo? (laughs) We actually live better than King David did. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, they got indoor plumbing and... You got great health care if you need toothpaste. It. Yeah, tooth. Yeah, toothpaste, dental care, uh, running water, yeah. potable water. Just, just let's think about that a little bit. Yeah, I understand you don't have a harem, but still, 
You know, there's nobody stopping you from having one. <laughs> I'm just saying. But, so, yeah. I, I was having this discussion with um, my co-writer, Mark, and one of the things that I'm interested in is I have a collection of retro future items, so no. a lot of books. And so retro futurism uh, is basically this look at how people thought the future was going to be in the 50s and 60s. So like Flying cars, Flying baby. cars. The Absolutely. Jetsons, popular uh, mechanics and stuff like that. Did you ever that. think about the Jetsons? I mean, look, your car folds up into a suitcase and you just pick it up? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> well, one of the things that I talked about was part of me is sad because in when we were kids, we actually, a lot of people really did think that the future was going to be kind of like that, just zany and wacky. And there's this kind of optimism um, but the, the that's interesting really thing, a good point. They were optimistic about the future. There were, and that's why they didn't care. They didn't care that any of this stuff was in, impractical. They just thought it looked neat. But one of the things that occurred to me was some of this stuff has actually come true. For some of it is actually better than what we thought. So when I was a kid, I used to think that um, we'd all be talking on video monitors, kind of yeah. like in Total Recall. We have that technology. Yep. We, we just don't want to use it nope. because. You know, we have FaceTime audio, but I mean, heck, when I'm at home in my pajamas, I don't want people to see what that. What pajamas? <laughs> I'm, I'm sitting in my underwear, my whitey tighties. I don't want to talk to anybody. With a, with a beer and, and, yeah. and chicken legs. That's you know. what I'm saying. And, I mean, come yeah, on. No one wants to see that. And then uh, who would have thought that we would have basically all the world's information in a phone, not, not on any separate device like a tricorder, but on our phone itself. So Just think, going back to 1969. When man walked on the moon, he went to the moon in a in a uh, capsule that had the computing power of a Commodore sixty four. Yeah, crazy. What are you carrying around in your pocket every day? That's incredible. Yeah. So we've made strides. They should do a TV sure. program named that. Called what? That's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> I think they did. Wasn't it called did. Ripley's Believe It or Not? No, it was called That's Incredible. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Yeah, I agree with you. I just, you know, you, you're talking about uh, our, our smartphones, computers. Mm-hmm. I mean, the first computers we had took up rooms and rooms and rooms. Not anymore. It's in your phone. Yeah. And I remember when we were in, when I was in college, uh, to get a flash drive, you had to pay an arm and a leg for it. Yeah. Those things were expensive. Now they literally hand them to you at conventions. You'll go to, I don't know, a radio convention or something, and you can get your brand put on it, and they just hand them out like candy, like it's nothing. Or how about, you know, you want a hard drive. Yeah. And you want a terabyte, mm-hmm. and it costs you 100 bucks. Yeah. Maybe it's cheaper now. I don't it know. Is. It is. It is. Yeah. cheaper? Okay. So, you know, and, and we're talking a terabyte. That's incredible. So my computer, uh, a friend of mine, he made it for me after we graduated, kind of like his graduating gift because he he was leaving and uh, he was a big gamer, so he'd build computers. And I told him, I said, I'll be drawing for a long time. And he was like, I'm going to build you a computer, buddy. So he built me this computer. And he told me, he said, just want you to know you should be thankful because I put a terabyte of, uh, of, <laughs> of, of space in but here. But that was a big thing. That was, a big, that, that was a big thing in 2010. <laughs> Eight years ago, <laughs> is it? I forget what the the law is about that computers like double in their capacities mm-hmm. over so many years. Is that still in vogue, or have we reached it where it's slowed down a little bit? 
I don't know about that, but I think it's reached a point where you don't even have to care about it anymore. Well, you got cloud. Yeah. And, well, you have, for example, like Mark, who uh, he recently had to get a new computer after years. I mean, you're talking about more than 10 years of owning an old one. And he it started wanted, slowing down, huh? It, it did, but he wanted <laughs> he wanted to know. Uh, I told him, I said, there's a game that you should get for your PC. Now that you have a new PC. And he was like, I don't know if my PC is fast enough. I said, if you bought a PC in the last month, it is fast enough. Yeah. It's no longer something you have to worry, worry about. about. Yeah. I just bought my, my uh, grandson um, a voodoo card for graphics that he wanted because he, mm-hmm. he wanted to be able to play certain games and stuff. So I, I got it for him early. Cost, are you ready for this? $72. Oh, my gosh. It's breaking the bank. <laughs> yeah, no kidding, man. <laughs> No kidding. And everybody wants to complain that it's not a good time. Yes, it is. It's a great time to be alive. Steve Moore has written a book about that mm-hmm. and about how good we have it. If you think that you got it bad, you can be the poorest person in America. And I'm telling you, you're living better than 99% of the people on this, this planet that we have. Yeah. Uh, in we America, had, at least. We had some friends who were from Nepal, and they couldn't believe that um, every person had a TV in their household. That's unusual in a lot of countries. Probably a lot of them probably surprised that they got a toilet in every household. Yeah, that's inside a, the house, yeah, not outside. Inside, it. that's yeah. right. Absolutely. Tim, thanks a lot. We got We should do a whole show on that. Absolutely. Just so people will feel good about even if you don't have $5 in your pocket, if you have 50 cents, you're doing better than a lot of people. And you made a whole lot more money today probably than anybody else in the world. America, baby. Land of the free, home of the brave. Got to love it. All right. I'll see you on Monday. Remember, God gave you a whole, you know, just a whole week of life. Give him an hour on Sunday. Find out what he wants to say to you. I'll see you in church. Have a good one. Two o'clock Monday. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.